You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since We are back. I think until the end of time, I will laugh at, can I eat this roast beef? Uh, Absolutely. And we will eat roast beef. Yes. Until the end of time. <laughs> until the end of my time, anyway. Um, yeah, a little horsey sauce, too, there. Yeah, Always. <laughs> All right. We are back. Sammy, Will, Toddy. Uh, yeah, we're all back. Toddy could use a hot toddy this morning. I think it's a little cold there, a little colder up where Will's at. Not mm-hmm. not too shabby where I'm at today. So, but we're all warm. We're toasty. We hope you're listening to the show half nude or completely nude with marshmallows. Be careful though; those can drip. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh man! <laughs> be like Madonna and Body of Evidence, there, Bay. <laughs> yeah. Speaking That's of a Will- strong opening, man. <laughs> Speaking of Willem Dafoe. Woo-hoo. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> all right. Uh, this week we are covering, uh, we got an Arrow release, so uh, a little uh, Arrow sponsorship here going on. We got uh, Eric the Conqueror from, uh, I believe it's 61, uh, a little Mario Bava action. So I know there's some that are going to be super excited about that. He's one of those filmmakers who has a cult all of their own. And uh, someone behind the door from 1971, directed by Nicholas Gessner. For all those Nicholas Gessner fanboys. Yeah, yeah those big Gessner fanboys. <laughs> lining up around the block. It's lining total, up. Totally different type of cult there. Um, We're getting so many new viewers with this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. The, uh, uh, the Gessner one, though, does have uh, Anthony Perkins, Charles Bronson, Joe Ireland, and uh, some massive turtlenecks. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got that going for it. So we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, and it does have one of the strangest, well, strange for him anyway, stranger Charles Bronson performances. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, we hope everybody's having a good time. Everybody's feeling safe and healthy and all those good things. We love you. And now let's get into what we've been watching. Todd, what have you been watching? Oh, you know, um, so 
uh, doing a lot of watches for the show to try and get ahead. Uh, but I also caught uh, from 1997, Fierce Creatures, uh, reuniting the good folks from A Fish Called Wanda. Oh, yeah. That, and uh, I never saw that. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, I never, I never, uh, never watched it. I never had either, uh, but it's it's enjoyable. It's mm. certainly um, is a little less misanthropic uh, in certain <laughs> ways from yeah. Uh, yeah. a fish called Wanda. Yeah. Um, but uh, but it has you know it's pleasant. It moves along nicely. It's got some uh, some funny stuff in there. Uh, the ending is a bit uh, much, mm. I think. Um, but uh, but aside from that, uh, it was good. I had fun with it. Uh, I'd go recommend it, especially if you liked uh, a fish. Uh, so yeah, yeah, put that one up there. Um, I watched uh, do, 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 do Last Hero in China from 1993, directed by Wang Jing or Jing Wang, however you would care to pronounce it. Um, and this is another one of the Jet Li uh, Wang Fei Hung uh, stories, mm. and. This yeah, um, I want to I want to say that I enjoyed this thing more than I did. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of wire foo uh, and a lot of really 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 uh, poorly handled uh, humor. Um, basic plot is that uh, well, the the basic thing that you should take away from it is that uh, the, the uh, Jetly character has to move his uh, his school his martial arts school uh next door to a brothel um so yeah nice. there's that nice yeah Gently, you, would think, uh, you, you would think you would think hijinks would ensue right yeah we absolutely haven't, we, add water just yeah, add water we haven't talked about this much but jet lee uh didn't retire for health problems and stuff like that well i think he retired more just on on uh yeah. because he just didn't want to do it anymore yeah i, thought uh, I don't i don't remember him having uh, a health issue. Yeah. I don't think. I know I've seen some pictures of him in his retirement, and uh, you know he's let his hair go uh, gray. Uh, gray, yeah. Well, white would be the better word. White, yeah. Yeah, he looks his age now. He definitely does. He never. He, he doesn't have those kind of youthful looks. Really? Anywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember. I feel like there's something that came up with him. I feel like there was. I know. Gordon, well, I know. That, I know that a while back there was there was some kind of a, like uh, a natural disaster or something that mm. he was. Yeah. There was something, yeah, but he just kind of uh, disappeared. Really, you think yeah, about it. Yeah. He got popular in the uh, in America, especially, I guess, in the what in the early nineties. Yeah, and then early he mid nineties. Yeah, did mm-hmm. did a few things, and then uh, boom. You know, maybe he just walked away gracefully. But I could have swore I read something, so I don't know. Maybe I'm just uh, yeah. Maybe I'm I, I want to say he just walked away. Yeah. I think either way, it's one of those things where, as we get older and we see our our heroes age i think it, it's even it accentuates that father time is undefeated even more so right when we see these people that we put on a pedestal and we really admire for their their feats and and their looks are frozen in time in a way and when we see that yeah. it's it's very bitter not even bittersweet it's very yeah you gotta, sad to see all you gotta do is look up jet lee retirement and uh he he looks older than 56 that's kind of amazing that he oh man wow that's crazy <laughs> But you know, hey, more power to him. He looks like a distinguished uh, older gentleman. In my opinion. I gotta look this up. Yeah, you got, you're gonna want to. Yeah. Oh my! <laughs> not the Jet Li you're that, used to seeing, is it? <laughs> that is not the Jet Li that I'm used to seeing. 
He, yeah, he looks his age now. In fact, he doesn't even have hair, (laughs) which is weird because I'm used to seeing him with virtually no hair. But yeah, with John John Travolta, got the John Travolta thing going there. Whereas it's funny because Gordon Liu was all looked great for his age until he really had health problems. Like he was just fountain of youth. Boy, oh boy! Which is interesting because Gordon Liu is in this movie. Ah, okay. There you go. See that? Yeah. There you go. There's yeah, the there's nice. the link. That is. Yeah. Yeah, poor Gordon uh, Liu. He had a he had a stroke, didn't he? Yeah, that was what it was. He's still around though, uh, isn't he? Or is he gone? He's gone. No, know. he's, he's no, still he's around. still kick, still yeah. kicking. Mm-hmm. Poor guy. Uh, so I followed that up uh, with a rewatch of Pieces Man. from yeah. 1982. I just found out. Man, Gordon, oh man! I just found out Gordon Liu's only six years older than. Jackie, then uh, Jet Li. Holy shit. Wow. That's he feels so much. He feels like a generational. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Really, really does. <laughs> just blew well, my... that's because of the, his yeah. work in the, the Shaw Brothers yeah. stuff. Just yeah. blew my mind, though. I was like, whoa. I'm, spending, I'm, I'm looking it up thinking he's going to be in his mid-70s or something. Yikes. Anyway. Sorry. Mortality, well, man. It's a bitch. Speaking mm-hmm. of mortality, pieces. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> This movie is, uh, yeah, it's, yeah, uh, it is what it is. I mean, get from the gods. Yeah. Like the poster says, it's exactly what uh, you think it is. Uh, And it really is a gift of the gift from the gods. This is one of those movies that you could put on at any point in time. And it completely just cleanses your cinematic palette uh, because (laughs) there's, there's really nothing else quite like it. It goes by smothly, uh, easily. It's goofy. Uh, it's it's exploitive. It's got Paul Smith sneering and uh, squinting through the yeah. vast majority of it. It's uh, smell the fart acting there. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah, totally. <laughs> like it, it's also it's also surprisingly when you watch it every time I watch it, it's all those things you say. But what I always kind of come back it's there's also some moments that are just plain horrific. <laughs> I, like I'm always surprised. I mean I'm oh, not yeah. surprised by the gore because I expect it, but. There is some, you know, some stylish moments in the movie too. So it's a weird. It's oh a, yeah, absolutely. It's the definition of a cult movie. It really is. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I mean, yeah, pieces. It's exactly what you think it is. Yeah. Uh, Go back and, and listen to I our still, review. Uh, I still, yeah. still am quite enamored of it. Yeah. Go back oh yeah, it's so good. Our review of it. Yeah. We, Can, yeah, nice. yeah. We reviewed it a little while back. Yeah. That's yeah. one of my big, not regrets, because there was something happening that. I wasn't able to get on sure, the show sure, that time, sure. but um, I really wish I had been on that review because, yeah. boy, that's one for years. Mm-hmm. It was like, I cannot wait to talk about this fucking movie. Yeah. It's, it's a good one. You know, it's weird on a related note to what we're talking about with Jelly, not to digress too much, but an ad popped up on IMDb for um, <laughs> Kevin Smith and Sundance. And, you know, t- say what you will about Smith himself, but how old do you guys think he is? A hundred and three. Kevin Smith, uh, yes. Clark's director. Correct. Uh, well, he has a, a lot of the stuff he likes is close to what me and Todd like. He's like forty nine. Uh, I'm gonna say, yeah, I'm gonna say fifty one. Fucking detectives, you two. Yeah, he's forty nine, but I just no, said he's a little bit older. But yeah. uh, he looks fantastic now. He had a heart attack a few years ago, right? And yeah, yeah, yeah. As opposed to driving it off the cliff, he uh, he looks great, man. Yeah, like he's he looks really he looks probably ten years younger. Still yeah. wearing nothing but hockey jerseys. Hockey jerseys and backwards baseball caps. Apparently. There you go. 
Uh, hey, when you're a style maven, uh, yeah. My big, it. my biggest problem with him is the uh, Silent Bob face in every picture he's in. That drives me crazy. Ah, uh, yeah, I know. It's one of those things. I think he just feels like he looks. <laughs> it's good, like the duck lipping of Kevin yeah. Smith. It, yeah, yeah. I, precisely, yeah. it's the duck lipping of Kevin Smith. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it's, I don't know. Just, I, I, I can't. I mean, I always make faces. I don't. I'm not in very many pictures because I don't like my picture to be taken, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll make faces when I am in them most of the time, but uh, so I can't, you know, really blast him too much. But I get so tired of the Silent Bob face. Well, oversaturation <laughs> too, right? Yeah. If you're only seen like a handful of photos of him, maybe yeah. you wouldn't care. But and I like Kevin Absolutely. Smith. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I still, I still watch his films, but I am uh, very hesitant to check out this reboot because even his biggest supporters are poo pooing all over it. <laughs> oh, I won't. I haven't seen anything he's done since Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, which I like. Well enough. No, I, think, I you know. stopped. I stopped the dogma. I think you, uh, Will. I think you watched Red State, though. I think you watched that. One. Oh yes. Oh I did yeah, watch Red yeah, State. yeah, yeah. Red State yeah. was. Red State was fine. Yeah, I, I was. You know, Tusk was, was fun. fun. I got to say, I enjoyed Tusk. It was very odd, but it, I liked it. Uh, yeah, I, it's funny. I was thinking about Tusk about a few months back because I was reading something about um, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, I was gonna say Fleetwood Mac. Yoga. I tell you this, yoga hosers was one of the worst That's things. The one. I Maybe that's ever the one. Seen. Sorry, who's in that? I watched that whole thing, Ugh, and I re- to this day I regret it. <laughs> I don't regret watching much. Minutes, you will never get back. Yeah, I don't regret watching much. I mean, I watch anything, but Jesus Christ, man, yeah, that's rough. It was bad. Ooh, woof. I don't, I don't. I don't know who it was made for. I really don't know who it was made for. It's terrible. It was made. It was made for Kevin Smith. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> That's about it. Wow. All right. Sorry, Todd. We derailed you there. That's Sorry, all right. Man. I love being derailed. Oh. Uh, and then I finally watched. Well, did a rewatch of uh, Gordon Hessler's uh, "Pray for Death" 1985. Nice. Star- starring the uh, the King of Ninja Guy uh, Sugi. <laughs> That's right. Um, yeah, this thing, it's, it's really weird because number one, it does have the best ninja costume of all time. Yes, it does. Uh, or at least the best ninja mask, that Cashern kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Um, and it's so underused though. Uh, but you know, Kasugi actually gets to do a little bit of emoting here. Uh, he's not bad at it, but you can see why he wasn't, you know, really, uh, the matinee idol, um, never quite hit the a-list uh yeah he looks great i mean it's uh i think when we did the review of it will and i think i may have called him the japanese charles bronson or something maybe because he <laughs> sure even more so than takeshi takeshi, takeshi kitano or beat takano yeah. i know he's been beat compared takeshi. to bronson yeah i know he's been or uh, sonny jiba's like the bronson in a way yeah. too well so, but with shiba though there's always this this madcap energy no, yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, he has much more energy. I can't. Can you imagine Bronson doing some of the shit that Shiva did? I can't. <laughs> no. I don't know if I'd want to see that. <laughs> uh, oh, I do. It would be pretty amazing. I mean, he tries to do. It. He tries to do a little bit of it in someone behind the door. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, he, oh, he, oh, he does. That was an interesting. <laughs> the Bronson looks of confusion are right up there with oh, the. Uh, uh, I, as soon as I saw those, I, I cannot wait to hear these guys. I could hear your voices in my head. <laughs> yeah, it's like the like the Paul Smith sneering acting. It's uh, very similar. Yeah. <laughs> it's like looking at Perkins, like, "Do you fart, man?" <laughs> hey, then that's who I am. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, uh, yeah. what do you what, uh, what do you what do you mean? What are you talking about? 
this is the picture you showed me. <laughs> this is my wife. It's our Charles Bronson impersonations this morning. <laughs> oh, buddy. Oh, uh, so, yeah, so this movie, um, <laughs> it's amazing to me that uh, something that's really is as skanky as this thing and, and the main villain is really the the big reason to watch it because there's very little ninja hijinks uh to be had actually yeah um the main villain is just an absolute dirt bag <laughs> yeah. um and it's amazing watching just how far he's he'll go like at the yeah. drop of a hat yeah i miss um, i miss 80s bad guys man oh dude this guy is like one for the ages yeah. uh but of course you have that you have that problem that you know, ninja movies that are made in America have, which is when you put a martial arts guy up against a bunch of, you know, overweight, middle-aged, uh, <laughs> white guys in, in business suits, you really kind of, you know, you're kind of robbing the, you're, you're kind of taking the fun out of this thing. Um, but that's what you get here. Mm-hmm. And you have that. Uh, and another thing that, you know, I thought that it was, it's, it's pretty well, pretty well padded. Uh, the pacing's not great. And, um, right up until the finale, it actually moves along. Eh, okay. Uh, but then it gets to the finale and it's just so bizarre that I, I don't know if, if Gordon Hessler didn't get the coverage that he needed or if the editor started smoking something fucking weird, but it just, it seemed to just almost fall apart, uh, in the finale with just stuff that's just not lining up, not making sense, not, yeah. Um, it really is kind of a mess. Uh, and then you have the, you know, the mannequin warehouse. Yeah. It's like an S and M dungeon. Um, uh, and, uh, and it, and it just goes from there, but it, I, I, never, I mean, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. <clears throat> I never feel like the American Shokazugi films or even really, I never really feel like Shokazugi himself. He's a kind of a cult actor at this point. Mm-hmm. Never really lived up to the promise no, the closest that he came was Ninja Three. Yeah, I mean, I think he's fine in everything he did, but I think they wanted him to be a bigger star, and he just never—he just—it seemed to me like he just never really was interested in pursuing it. But, I think yeah, that I might know. be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, let's do a, let's was... do a psychological test here. Gordon Hessler slash Nicholas Gessner. <laughs> every time, <laughs> every time you say Gordon Hessler, I keep hearing Nicholas Gessner. <laughs> You should not be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I keep thinking, man, the same guy direct this? <laughs> there is no liver and onions in Pray for Death. <laughs> there should have been a lot in uh, Someone Behind the Door. I think I'll rest. <laughs> I think I'll... <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't. Uh, anyway, we'll get to that. Uh, so, yeah, so I watched that. And then uh, finally, one thing I want I want to touch on here. I've been hearing a lot about this uh, this Netflix show. Don't fuck with cats. Uh, so <laughs> oh. I decided to watch it. Oh yeah, and right. Will said something about this it. last week, right? Did you? Yeah, because because his wife watches that stuff, and and uh, and uh, he was talking about it. And it's a well, it's a terrible story. But go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, yes, yes, yes. I know the one you mean. Yeah, yeah. oof, jeez. Yeah. yeah. I lived uh, through that because it was in my neck of the woods. It was horrible. I, I can't watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Well, I'll say this about that. I watched this thing. I watched all three hours of it last night during this sleet storm yeah. that we had. And uh, I got to say, I really like this. Uh, it's very well made. It has a heavy, I thought, Errol Morris influence on it. No. Uh, the, the, the reenacting stuff is, is not going overboard. It's not tasteless. Uh, 
it's not tasteless. It actually handles its uh, its material very tactfully. Mm. Um, I think the only real problem that I had with it uh, was that the third episode um, starts to lose momentum. Obviously, it kind of has to because by that point you've gotten past uh, a certain yep. you know point, yeah. and then you have to kind of wind things up. Uh, and then the other problem that I had was that, uh, well, a couple things. Number one, I thought that the more interesting stuff that it could or should be bringing up, um, it doesn't really investigate. Yeah. Um, and the other problem that I had is that the very ending, out of the fucking blue, uh, does this really heavy-handed uh, direct address thing like to the viewer, like, you should be doing this. And I'm just like, whoa, 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 what? <laughs> Uh, like almost to the point that it, it derailed, it almost derailed um, almost everything else that that came before, which was like a crushing disappointment because I really liked it. I mean, yeah. as a as a procedural, uh, it's a, it's really well put together. It's really you know, just don't, uh, don't well fuck with paced. cats. Really... You just need to not fuck with cats, Todd. What's that? Don't fuck with cats, man. I know that's the that's the number one rule of the internet. Uh, <laughs> rule zero. It's rule zero. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so I I like this. Like I said, it's kind of you know it, it doesn't. It brings up these these issues like you know are we complicit and you know all that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, and it really, fame, I think it, it would have been more interesting to to follow some of those paths. Yeah. Uh, just to just to bring them up, and it, and it kind of does. Yeah. Uh, but like I said, then it gets really really heavy handed uh, and almost like finger wagging. Yeah. Uh, at the very end, which I really, really didn't like, like yeah. really didn't like that. But otherwise, I, I liked it a lot. I liked it like a, a lot, lot more than I thought that I would. Mm-hmm. So, because yeah. I know that uh, we've had discussions about you know modern documentary, and for my taste, a lot of it is uh, a lot of modern documentaries are are fucking garbage. Yeah. Well, they um, yeah they make a lot of now. Well, I mean, they're so easy to make, right? I mean, they're, well, there's so, it's so it's such a cookie cutter process yeah, now. They a are. lot of them that it's just ridiculous. Well, they are the low budget genre right now. I mean, it's just because you know everybody's <laughs> right. got a camera on their phone. Everybody's got all these things, so you know, and like, everyone's got a fucking opinion that they want everyone else to know about. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's might be the bigger problem. The bigger problem is is that that is the bigger problem is there's opinions where I think great documentary films don't give you. The director's viewpoint. Well, they just they just no, give that's you kind of, the that's kind material. Of well, you, you, I think you you, you always had uh, you always had uh, the director. Well, actually, producers' um, opinions hmm. in older uh, documentaries. They just weren't so blatant about it. It wasn't you know it wasn't proselytizing. It wasn't um, yeah. It wasn't. Like like what you and I do a lot of times on the show is yeah. stand on our well. I mean, my uh, next my next documentary is going to be just you and a camera talking about Joker, talking about Joker for two hours. Yeah, and Scrapple. <laughs> yep, <laughs> the Joker Scrapple monologues. I feel like I could get a good. I might the be able Joker. to get. You know what? I think I could get three hours out of you. I think I can make this a you limited think? a limited series. Buddy, you prod you prod me the right way. You could. Yeah, long and strong, man. Yeah. Once, well, I, got, once yeah. I get once I, I get into the zone, buddy. I got a hell of a prodder. There's no coming I'm back. Gonna, yeah, yeah. I, I got a hell of a prodder. Let me tell you. Can I see it? Electric. Wookie, wookie, wookie. So it's got a birthmark on it. <sighs> Ooh, it doesn't really. Nice. What's it shaped like? Elvis. Uh, Ursa Minor. Uh, nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're on we're on fire this morning. We are rocking and a rolling. Cook, uh, cook them a grease, so, baby. 
so but but yeah no like like i was saying uh you know older documentaries always had they always had a point of view they always had you sure. know the the sure. producers uh point of view in there and some of them were even slanted you know one way or yeah. the other you just weren't you just weren't being hit over the head with it and yeah. being you know you weren't as aware well it wasn't as it wasn't as important mm-hmm. to those filmmakers to make themselves the story yes. to make them themselves or their opinion. They didn't, they didn't need to say, Hey, you sit down, you're going to listen to what I have to say. Right. They would say, here's a story about these people. Or here's a story about this situation. Here's a story right. about, and then they would just let it unfold, but you would get there at, you would get, you know, what they were saying mm-hmm. and how they were saying it and what their, their point of view was on it. Yeah. It wasn't about, I'm going to tell you something I'm going to, you know, that's right. There wasn't that yeah. kind of shit, which is what a lot of it is now. Yeah. And a lot of it also now today, they use that absolutely shit animation, <laughs> Uh, yeah. which just is, it, it's, uh, I, I can't stand it. Yeah. Um, and especially when it's used poorly, which it is a lot of times. Yeah. Um, but, and then you look at, uh, you know, channels like, uh, the history channel and all this shit where they have these shows that are, are so, they call them reality shows, but they're like, no, they're, they're not even remotely reality shows. They're as manufactured as any sitcom ever could be. Um, and that even, you know, degrades the, the uh, the format or the 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 genre I guess you could say uh, even further for mm-hmm. me yeah you can well yeah format because uh, yeah. I mean I I can't sit whenever I see something when I'm flipping through channels and I'm like oh that looks like an interesting subject I know for a fucking fact when I click on it it's going to be some piece of garbage and I could tell you exactly how it's going to be edited I could tell you exactly what you know how it's going to what the beats are going to be I could tell you everything that you need to know about that thing without turning it on and I'm like well no I don't want to watch it. Yeah, I, I changed my mind. I'm going to make a two-hour documentary about you talking about documentaries. This is going to be like documentary. This is going to be like the swimming with uh, swimming the Cambodia of uh, yeah. podcast idiots. I'm going to make a documentary about you talking about a documentary made about Joker. <laughs> I'm down for this. I think we're we very, uh, we're we might very be able, self-reflexive yeah, on this. We might be able to get Netflix on board with this thing. I'll tell you what, call them. <laughs> They might. They might fucking go yeah, for it. At this point, it seems like they'll they'll put anything on there. But yeah, exactly. You know, to kind of get back to what you're talking about and stuff, I understand totally Will's point of view that you know he he doesn't watch that kind of stuff. I, I, yeah, I can understand. Yeah, that. I, mean, I, I shouldn't I totally say I don't. But I find as I get older, I start to inject. It's harder for me to sure, because it sure. leaves more of a, a bruise. Sure, than sure. Oh, it's terrible stuff. It is. You know, uh, yeah. it, it, it some of that stuff is awful. I haven't watched this one because I know a lot about this story. And it is an appalling. See, I knew I knew almost nothing about it. Oh well, then it probably it probably hit you a lot harder. This one, this that that story, I followed that while that was happening, and it was a grotesque, uh, modern internet disaster, and right. and I was just kind of blown away by the whole thing. And I don't honestly, I know so much about it, I don't know if I want to revisit that story. Uh, right, right. So I haven't watched it, but I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it anyway, uh, as much as you can enjoy that kind of thing. Sure, sure. And I mean, but that's, um, ah, no, I won't get, I yeah, won't yeah, get back yeah, in yeah, yeah. You know, it is what it is. Let's yeah, see. yeah. Let's see. We'll see. What, uh, is that all you watch? Is that it? Yep, that's it. All right. Good stuff. Way to end on a high note there. Uh, let's talk about them Oscar nominations. No, never mind. How anyway. about that? You know who got robbed? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Will, what have you watched? Uh, yeah, I'd be glad to tell you what I've watched. I'm going to pull it up here. Um, pull it out. Pull it up. Pull it out. <laughs> did I hear a zipper or was that Velcro? You did. That's Velcro, man. Yeah. Uh, Makes it easy. 
Ooh. It is very much so. Okay, so it's been uh, an interesting week. Um, so I started the week off with Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland. We've been really binging on a lot of the, oh yeah, um, a lot of the Disney Plus stuff. And my kids are going through a phase right now again where they're really into like um, wanting to watch a lot of the classics and a lot of the older Disney stuff, which is great for me because I often worry about just. Showing them or them having this this taste to want to watch a like a you know like our our youth want to watch a horror movie or like an Arnold movie or an action movie and you know so I'm trying to I'm really glad that they're they're going this route so mm. uh, this was actually Teresa's pick though because we wanted to watch the animated one because the boys know it's one of my favorites and they last saw it when they were quite young and don't recall much about it yeah but um, the missus wanted to watch the live action one. Um, Teresa and I saw it in theaters, and I remember saying on this show at the time, you know what? Not bad. And I think you, Sammy, also were pleasantly surprised. Not to say you loved it, but you were you thought it was better than thought it was better than it was going to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I'll say this. Interestingly, all these years later, this hasn't aged very well. No. No, it hasn't aged very well. I mean, Mia Vasikowska is good in it. Um, there's some. There is some fun stuff, but the CG is really, really dated itself very yeah, poorly. Yeah. Um. And then I think also at this point, there's real Johnny Depp fatigue. And it's like, <laughs> you know, did he take this role just so he could do a Scottish accent for 90 minutes? Uh, I mean. Yeah, either that or uh, wear a hat he brought from home. Wear a hat he brought from home. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It it, it, it it wasn't very good. If I had seen this, if I had felt this way now, the Cheshire Cat looks good. I'll say that. Mm. Um if I had have seen this for the first time then, like how I felt now, I would have been like, boys, no, this one's, no, like, we can't do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, no, I, I, haven't, I haven't seen it uh, since that one time I watched it, and I do remember enjoying it, surprisingly, because uh-huh. I, I had no interest in watching it. Yeah, neither did I. And I watched it and uh, remember, uh, yeah, liking it. But, of course, I don't know if it's something I'd even revisit at this point. I don't even Disney know Disney Plus. Is. Yeah. You know, week, sure, weekend, sure. you know. Sure. Yeah, yeah. One of those, right? Access, no, yeah, I, yeah, easy access. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. I just, yeah, I don't know if I'd even, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I will revisit it at some point. I never saw the sequel. The, they made a, you know, a second one. I can't remember if we did or not. Yeah, Through the Looking Glass. Through the Looking Glass, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. I never watched it, but. So no, I, that, that should say something. I mean, I, will, I wasn't interested in the sequel. So I had moved on already. <laughs> one of the cool things was I guess just for my kids in a way to see a Tim, another Tim Burton film and it was fun to say the the knight for the Queen of Hearts is George McFly so that's right it was Chris McGlover's yeah shows up which he's, I forgot about yeah completely. he's one of my favorite things in the movie actually yeah yeah he's fun you know he's fun and I think um, Helena Bottom Carter's fun enough the CG for her big head is <laughs> unfortunate but <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. that's the way it goes um the kids wanted to watch the Simpson movie, which again they'd seen before, and I think Earth Shattering. It's fine. I less said about that, the better, I guess. It, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I, Simpsons, <laughs> I, I still quite enjoy, and yeah, um, they got thirty seasons on Disney Plus. So yeah, I mean, if you ever want to watch the Simpsons, yeah, if you ever want to watch an episode of The Simpsons, Jesus, that's Christ. your spot. Yeah, that's your spot. I'll say this. I do admire that I think my kids are quick-witted enough now that some of the good zingers, that, that aren't like generational, but just kind of, 
some of the zingers that the Simpsons wrote, like one of my sons will kind of look at me, like the, I can feel their eyes dart towards mine. I'll look at them, will kind of <laughs> smirk. So I, I like that. I appreciate that they're they're growing up to be quick witted. So yeah, yeah. that's good. Uh, then Braden wanted to watch Lady and the Tramp. Now the original, of course, because I, I don't have any interest in any of the live action stuff. I mean, it's still so needless to me. Um, yeah, it, we've seen it. It's 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 done before. Come on, but of course they got to put out the new shiny one for the. Anyway, I don't, don't want to get into that because that would be my yeah. Sammy Netflix Do document it. sequel yeah. thing. It makes well, it I makes just, it makes a lot of money. It's uh, <laughs> it, well, that, precisely, yeah, that's, precisely. That's, it makes a lot of money. They can shine it up and yeah. repackage it in the the latest um, tech, technological kind of artistic advances, and yeah. and off they go. But. I'll tell you, watching the original, which again, my kids had seen about five, six years, seven years ago, I absolutely adore this era of Disney cartoons. I remember watching it with my kids back then, and I felt the same way I do now. It just, it takes me back, man. It, it's so beautiful. It's such gorgeous, clean animation. Um, just fantastic. Uh, and this one's beautifully done. Yeah. Beautifully done. Yeah. So and with us having a dog now too, I think it appealed to them a right. lot more, and even me, right? Like our dog's half cocker spaniel, so you know, lady, uh, lady's our girl. But it's funny looking back and just even listening to the voice work in this is it's so so perfect mm-hmm. for Lady and the Tramp. So yeah, that's a good one. Uh, well, what else to be watch? Okay, the much animated Alice in Wonderland, one of my favorites. Blah blah blah, fantastic. Um, I'm not gonna say too much more about that. Uh, that we're talking about the show Midsummer I watched, but you'll hear about that in a few weeks. Yeah, uh-huh. can't wait to talk about that one. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> here's the last one I watched this week, and I've been I, I this the, I can't believe this one died away from me for two or three years. Uh, Guillermo del Toro's The Shape of Water. Have you guys seen this? Yes, I have not. Yeah, I thought at least one of you might not have. Yeah. Um, just never got around so, to it. Just one of those. Yeah, ones. I never got around to it. You know. As as time has gone on, this, this sounds crazy to say, but as time has gone on, it seems like since Twelve Years a Slave, since that period, yeah, I have seen less and less of the Best Picture winners. <laughs> I, I just, yeah. I don't know what it is. I, they just they escape me for some reason, and I just never get around. I always think to myself, "Oh, I'll watch that sometime when I feel like it." Mm-hmm. I just never get to it. This yeah. is another, this is another one of those Green Book. This one. Uh, Oh, you name it. You name any of them from the past 10 years. I bet I've seen less than half of them. I'd be curious how many I've seen looking back. Todd, what did you think of this one before I get into it? Uh, I quite liked it. Um, mm. It's uh, it's bizarre. Uh, it's way more graphic than I thought it was going to be. Michael Shannon is a real standout, as <laughs> is, um, uh, what's her name? Na- Nancy. Oh, shit. Uh, Tommy Hawkins? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, she's great. Uh, Purefoy's, uh, uh, it wasn't Purefoy, was it? No. Who's her friend in the apartment? Oh, uh, Richard Jenkins. Richard Jenkins. There you go. Uh, uh it's yeah. been a while. I mean, I could see him, but I can't place his face. Yeah. Anyway. It's been a while. Uh, Sorry. It's been a while. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> every, so, time, every time I hear that, that's what. <laughs> I know. It's, uh, it grates on me too. Don't worry. Um, so... So yeah, uh, it, it's really bizarre. Uh, I really liked it. Um, it does kind of feel like he's 
retreading just a little bit, uh, obviously from the uh, the ape sapien character from these Hellboy movies. Although uh, this is a, you know clearly a, a different uh, a different creature, uh, no pun intended, or maybe pun intended. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really well handled. It's, it's a beautiful movie. I know why. I could tell you why uh, the um, the Academy why it got nominated for. Uh, for the you know best picture in the first place, and that was because of its uh, its musical elements. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, but other than that, yeah, no, I, I thought it was really really good. Well, uh, what did you think? I, as did I. I couldn't agree more. It was it just hit the spot for me. I think it's sure. an absolutely absolutely gorgeous film. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah Production yeah. design. They recreate early nineteen sixties Baltimore or America, I guess you mm-hmm. could say, beautifully. Um, a lot of that space age stuff, the, the the color palette with a lot of greens, obviously very intentional to, you know, coincide with uh, the the creature himself, who, who isn't green green. I mean, he's kind of right. darker, but um, it was just it was note perfect in almost every way I can think of. Um, I wasn't expecting some of the the masturbation scenes from Sally Hawkins in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, that was yeah. something. Luckily, that flew over my kid's heads. Uh, yeah. I think she's washing vigorously. Uh, puts the egg timer on, and she gets in the tub, and there the water's splashing her. Yeah, 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 man. You gotta yeah, wash. But, you gotta stay clean. Yeah. You don't want to smell but, it. You don't want to smell like the fish man. No. Oh. Well, this is pre-fish man. <laughs> yeah. This is even pre. Yeah, it kind of shows the, yeah. the monotony, but I guess, yeah, you don't want to. Yeah. You don't want yeah, the fish man so, to come yeah. up and be like. Oh, 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 geez. <laughs> yeah, he, he starts kissing the belly button, then he yeah. comes back up, man. That's bad. <laughs> that's, bad. that's bad when the fish yeah. man does. Did you eat sa- with salmon? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's, that's right. What's that? Salted cod. <laughs> bad when the fish man yeah, I know this, that, right? You know? <laughs> when the fish man <laughs> don't dig it, you you got to reassess uh, your practices, man. <laughs> If he's not eating at the Y, I don't know why I'm laughing so hard, but I'm having, there might a, be reasons. Yeah, I'm having a really good time yeah. with this for some reason. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, uh, geez, but, mm. uh, but I'll, I'll tell you this one. Um, I really enjoyed it a lot yeah. and, and sight unseen. I was cheering for Del Toro at the time of the Oscars because I think we've, we've all kind of shared the same sentiment that the Oscars, they're a bit of a, Circle Jericho wine and cheese thing, but it is yeah. nice to see the people that you like win because this gives them a wider audience and more creative control yeah. in the future for their products yeah. or projects, I should yeah. say, yeah, or yeah. products in some cases, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I had, when I had read everything about the Shape of Water and stuff, it sounded to me like this is Del Toro, like the Sally Hawkins character mm-hmm. may as well be Guillermo del Toro. Sure. Yeah. He loves his. Yeah, mon- yeah, that's fair. He loves his monster. Yeah. He loves his monster so much that yeah, you know this is like you know like this is his. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm not. I'm not being facetious when I say this, but like this is his wet dream of a movie. Like, yeah. I mean, he's making love to his monster. Or his love letter. Yeah. Or, right? yeah, love or his letter. love letter. Yeah. If you want to go yeah. that route, but he. Uh, that's what it felt like. So I felt like it was going to be pretty solid. I, I was stunned when it won Best Picture. Oh, me too. Um, me too. Because that's typically yeah, it's typically not Best the way the, yeah, typically not the way the Academy goes. But uh, was very happy for him and uh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think when when it's all said and done, Del Toro's work will be considered very interesting. He'll be, he'll 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 have left his mark on uh, cinema. Inter- Oh, yeah, I think what's interesting with him is I've always admired him more as a film lover than I have a filmmaker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've always mostly liked his stuff, not loved it. 
I haven't, truth be told, I haven't seen Kronos. Was it Kronos? Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, it was his first, yeah. I've never seen that. And uh, what's the other one he did with the, the lab? Um, fuck. With the lab? I, was, I thought it was a lab. or There's another creature one early on in his career. A Mimic? I've never seen Mimic. Yeah. Ah, okay. Yeah, I like, so I've never seen either of those. I like bits and pieces of Mimic. Mimic's got some moments. It's okay. Yeah, Mimic okay. seems, yeah, it seems like it'd be lukewarm about it. But this one, I mean, gorgeous production design. Yeah. And note perfect act, Michael Shannon is such a rotten motherfucker in this oh, yeah. film. And that, that thing <laughs> oh. with his fucking fingers? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, he is such. And I said to my kids, because they saw him in Knives Out recently, I said, guys, I said, this is one of Dad's favorite actors. And he has a, a look and an intensity it allows him to play a bad guy really, really well. But right. I said he's 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 not that person, and they know that now. But I feel something just to yeah. just to, to say it to them. But um, yeah, I mean, Octavia you know, Spencer's. Oh, I said that, that one time I met him. I met him that one time, and uh, yeah, I remember what, him, I, I, remember what I was, was stunned amazing. by was he's about the he's about the same height as me. Maybe maybe he's about the same height as Will. About that height. Yeah. But you know, when I thought I'd ever, if I ever thought I'd see him, he just seems like such a big person, like such a. Big, he seems like he'd be like six three or something. Yeah, like a big towering person. But he's, he's just an, yeah. you know, he's just an average looking Joe. Like he can go anywhere, because he's got you kind of you know kind of an every man's face. He can pretty much go anywhere. Nobody mm-hmm. really says anything to him. I think he was stunned when I said, "Hey, can I shake your hand? You mind if I shake your hand?" I think he was stunned. Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> and he gave me some very Michael Shannon esque uh, reactions. Which was he kind of he kind of he kind of covered his mouth and was kind of looking around and stuff, making sure nobody was kind of paying attention and stuff. It was very interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's cool, man. Yeah. That's cool. But no, this one, Sammy, I think, uh, I mean, it is it is sentimental, right? But that it's it is a sentimental film because it the message is obvious, but I think the message is very earnest and sincere from him um, on a number sure. of levels. Sure. But it's such a gorgeous, gorgeous film. Um, it was just what I wanted. I, I'll just say that. I think it was it was a beautiful film for for people like us. Yeah, I'll check it out at some point. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. A, you know, at least you know the one thing about missing all these great best picture winners, or maybe great, maybe great best picture winners, is I got a yeah. nice back catalog to go back and revisit. Right. So, I mean, this isn't like nine territory for me. It's you know, probably solid eight territory. Yeah, like you know, oh, between yeah, solid eight for me. Yeah, like like seven seven five to eight point two five ish. You know, in yeah, and around yeah, yeah. good good yeah. stuff. You can yeah. do a lot worse, man. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and we all have. Yeah, we, we all, all will. Have. <laughs> in the coming weeks, even in the coming weeks, we will. Yeah, yeah. yeah but I, well, you want to talk about? Well, we can review yoga hosers at the end of the month if you want. Ooh, <laughs> Ooh let's do that. In the coming weeks, huh? You guys uh, doing some spoiler stuff there, huh? I don't know what you mean. Maybe, maybe. That everything will? Yeah, man. All right. I watched a few things. I watched a film. Uh, this one probably be up Will's Alley, actually, uh, to check out. Uh, Tough Guys, the Bob Probert story. This is oh a, man, Proby. Yeah, yeah. Proby, one of the uh, one of the ugly people uh, in hockey, yeah. but you know. This what I like about this movie is it shows the human side of Bob Probert and all the issues Bob Probert had. Oh, and for those who don't mm-hmm. know, Bob Probert was a hockey player, but mostly known for being a enforcer goon. type. Yeah, a goon. Enforcer. Uh, yeah, real, fuck man. Maybe maybe him and the guy. I can't remember the guy. I watched the documentary on Last Gladiators. I think his name was Chris. Oh, Chris something. Chris uh, Nealon. Yeah, Chris Nealon. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those two guys yeah. are pretty much synonymous with goon. Prober was the Mike Tyson, yeah, yeah, yeah. like of his era. Like he yeah. played around. He was like he struck fear into everyone's heart. Man. That's right. That's right. 
And uh, people, that, that was part of the hockey uh, psychology back then, right? If you went to go play the Red Wings, you're like, fuck, man, we got to deal with Probert. You know, yeah. and who's he gonna who's he gonna target? You know, and who's he gonna take out? Right. So, mm-hmm. anyway, this kind of gets the old, into the of, uh... yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this kind of gets into uh, obviously it gets into the the modern era of the CTE thing as brain damage because there was an extensive mm-hmm. amount of it. Um, it gets into the um, the fact of the painkillers and the alcohol and all the other things, and it get and it's really kind of heartbreaking in a way because they show a lot of home videos of him with his kids. And he's in such bad shape, he's in so much pain and everything else that he's kind of created himself that he's almost non-existent to his own children. And he was actually a good dad, and then he got hooked on stuff and became a bad dad, and then he got better and became a good dad again, and then he died of a heart attack. So, uh, you know... At a very young age. Yeah, yeah, I think he was 45, 44 maybe. Something like that. Maybe, he's pretty young. Um, but it's, 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 it's a sad story. And maybe one of the saddest things about it is, is you know... It, is the kind of push from old era hockey to to for Proby to be that way, um, mm-hmm. and the old coaching and stuff like that? It's funny. I was, you know, my I don't, my son doesn't play football, but we got this uh, football project up here near the house, and we went up there a couple times. He's got some friends to play football, and you see the same old story over and over again. You know, you see kids take hits, and you see coaches say, "Get up off your ass, go, let's go." You know, and these kids are eight years old. <laughs> And, you know, that's America in a nutshell. In America, you know, if you don't hit somebody and knock them out, you're a pussy. And mm-hmm. uh, we see it all the time. And I tell my son all the time, that kid's going to grow up and he's going to hate everything about the sport. And I promise you that. And if he doesn't hate it, the sport's going to hate him. I said, you got to play because you like the game, not because you want to hurt people. And he's got a bunch of friends of his that want to hurt people. And that's the way this coach, this local coach, that's the way he is. He, you know, he, he totally believes you got to be the alpha male. And, uh, you know, I want to punch the guy in the mouth, but you know, that's just me. Uh, oh, yeah. kind of goes back to that. I'm not a, I'm not oh, a big yeah. fan of modern, uh, football coaching. I'm not a big fan of screamers and yellers. I think no. I find them to be pussies no. myself, but. Oh yeah, they are. They're uh, fucking bullies. Yeah, they are. They're bullies. I mean, they, you know, that's what, so they, there's a lot of that into this element in here. So it's interesting to see that too and to see how that affect Bob Probert and how that created him. Cause he lost his dad at a young age. His dad was a tough guy. But then he lost his dad, and he went to this hockey camp, which I didn't even know existed, these hockey camps up there. And, oh, uh, man, hockey is big. Yeah. It, it is to football what it is. Yeah. It is to football. It is to us what football is to you. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they kind of breed this, this behavior. And, you know, obviously a lot of that's gone away now with modern thinking and, you know, brain scans and all this other stuff. But still pretty scary stuff. It still exists. It's still out there. You know, if coaches can get away with it, if they can get the parents to buy in, it, it still happens. And uh, you still see it. Um, but, uh, yeah, that was a good one. I'd, I'd recommend checking that one out. Uh, I watched a little movie called uh, The Fanatic. I think I got some uh, I got some uh, uh, soundtrack music here for this one. If I were... right. Yeah, here we go. Keep on rolling, baby. Yeah, we go. There we go. You know what time it is. All right. Can you guys hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can hear that oh, or not. Oh, <laughs> <man>. Would I? <laughs> That's right. You know, I had to, <clears throat> I had to uh, represent my boy Fred Durst in his uh, film *The Fanatic* with John Travolta. <laughs> anyway, John Travolta doing it all for the boogie. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the truth is, so this movie has gotten, you know, even before it came out, it was getting blasted. Okay, and I get it. If you watch the trailer, 
you know, it's easy to make fun of. What I feel sad for, I feel bad for John Travolta because I think John Travolta made a really good performance. I gave this thing three out of five stars on Letterboxd, and I'll tell you why. John Travolta commits completely to this character, and I haven't seen him do that in quite some time. I've seen him kind of show up for things and, uh, you know, kind of be John Travolta, but I haven't seen him commit to anything in a while. It's easy to make fun of this movie because he plays somebody who obviously has mental issues, uh, a disabled person and stuff. I kind of feel bad for all the people that made fun of it before they saw it because it's not a good look for them. Uh, you know, because basically you're making fun of people who with, uh, you know, issues. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's kind of a sad thing. Uh, he's really good in the movie. The movie is not nearly the shit show you would think it is. Not even close. It's actually pretty average. It's not, it's not bad. Um, I've seen much worse. I've seen much worse uh, in the last month. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, it's not that bad. It's not as bad as you think it is. I think it cut a terrible trailer and, uh, it's very interesting and it kind of deals with modern fan, uh, stuff in an interesting way. Um, but also it is somewhat, uh, not great either. So, you know, just throw it out there. Fred Durst, I think could make good movies. Uh, he just hasn't done it yet. Uh, he, the the movie's well made for what it is, but it ain't quite there yet, Freddie. You just got you got some work to do. Devin Sawa, a lot of fun as the uh, the quote unquote action actor that John Travolta's character loves, Moose. Yeah, I thought that's who it was when yeah. I when I'd seen there's a clip of him outside the house. Yeah, um, <clears throat> I thought that was him. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, the scenes between Sawa. I want to see this film. Yeah, the scenes between Sawa and Travolta are pretty good. The, the scenes between them are pretty good. I was actually surprised. So, But yeah, I mean, it's a, it's an interesting performance. Uh, John Travolta pretty much transforms. Uh, this is the most un-Travolta I've seen him uh, ever, maybe. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm used to him being Joe Cool and everything, right? You know, that's, cause that's kind of his persona, but uh, this is the opposite of that. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get in too much into it because, you know, there's there's some twists and turns. But, I mean, I'm, I will say for the record, it. <laughs> I gave it three out of five. That doesn't mean you'd love it, and just you know, but it is what it is. I guess I still, I'd still like to watch it, though, yeah, man. Yeah. I just, I like you said, I think there's an appeal there, and I, I think that it's nice to see Travolta doing stuff again. That he's really, I think he's putting more energy into this. I think this was doomed to fail or be a sideshow in some ways because of Durst directing and yeah. And because and of that, Travolta's the, the yeah, wig that performance, and, yeah, the wig, the wig he wig, and, yeah. I mean, it's bad hair. It's it's a bad wig, and it's oh yeah, it's a bad it's a bad wig for a bad hairstyle. So it's 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 a double whammy. And uh, but there's some moments in it that you find really interesting with Travolta's character, and then there's some moments in it where you found truly kind of tragic um, mm-hmm. about his character. And then there's but the, then there's the ham handed. Uh, I don't think Fred Durst knew what to do with it aspects of the thing so only has enough nuance or subsidy to to no, handle some no, of it either no. sight unseen yeah. but I, I still want to watch it. i almost roped Teresa into watching it a few weeks ago yeah 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 it's not the worst thing you'll watch i promise that uh <laughs> last thing i watched was being frank the chris cv story uh this is um you guys know the paper mache frank sidebottom um the british kind yeah, of yeah 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 so this is the real story behind that character chris cv was the guy the artist who was kind of behind that and it kind of became a thing and he never intended it to, and it just kind of became a thing that took over his life. Uh, this is really interesting in the aspect of, uh, you know, somebody that lives for art and making art and can't do anything but make art. CV was a musician, 
kind of an amateur filmmaker and animator. He kind of worked on Bob the Builder and stuff like that. Um, he uh, he was a very interesting guy, but a guy that was kind of haunted by the fact that he never made it. You know, and then the one thing he did make it as is this Frank Sidebottom character that wasn't him. It was another, you know, it was a alter ego, and he never showed his face. And it's very interesting. It's an interesting story of alter ego and what that does to you psychologically, and you know how you handle it. And uh, he didn't handle it well, so pretty interesting. But man, I got to say, the Frank Sidebottom character obnoxious. I cannot stand that thing, that paper mache uh, kind of. Uh, man-child performance that that thing used to do like it's like Pee Wee Herman on steroids it's like you know I could get behind Pee Wee Herman I could get behind that but this one I just oh it's obnoxious <laughs> it's it's the bobbins as they yeah, say <laughs> yeah but I mean I could see where people would like it too and uh you know the, but it's just not for me so but man oh but you know it reminds me though I like that movie that was made with uh, Michael uh, Fassbender that Frank movie I think it was called yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I like that one yeah I like that movie and I think people didn't uh, pay much attention to that I thought it was really good um, anyway neither here nor there uh, this is a good documentary if you're interested in that kind of thing where fame kind of sneaks up on you in the least expected ways uh, so there's that uh, that's all I watched uh, I don't think I watched any fun TV or nothing man I don't I didn't get into anything else. Got too much going on, brah. Let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk some Mario Bava. We're going to do Eric the Conqueror from 1960 and 1. We shall return right after this. Sammy, Will, and Toddy coming over the landscape in our our furs and our axes in hand here. Yeah. <clears throat> our dental hygiene. Is the fur crawling up our backs from our pubes? Uh, it's stuck in my yeah. crack. Yeah. Oh, there's a... Who's what? As, sorry, I know I'd asked this before. One of you has seen Midsummer, right? I think, Todd, you have, right? Yep. Yeah, yes, sir. Speaking of pubes, there, buddy. <laughs> Ooh, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's keep rolling, baby. Just like Fred Durst. <laughs> and never mind that drink. Yeah. You yeah, know, right? I'm going to be quoting Fred Durst the rest of the day. You know what time it is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Man, I can't quit coughing. I'm laughing so hard. All right. A little bit of a snafu behind the scenes there. All right. Our first film is uh, Eric the Conqueror, 1961, also known as Glee Invasoli. Invasoli. <laughs> nice. Glee? Like Glee? Is that his Glee? 
Liam Vassal. I believe so. I've never seen that word yeah, before. Never so. have either. Uh, it's it's kind of like Lee, but with like a, it's kind of how like how you say gnocchi. Kind of like the, Lee with a G. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> I could go. go for some New York. It's not, it's not, yeah, right? Oh, I haven't had that in so long. Anyway. All right. Uh, Basic it's kind of like Jiggly. But, oh. Uh, yeah. Now, now you're speaking my language. I like Jiggly. It's well, a good Jiggly movie? Of film. <laughs> I like it when you twerk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. no, no diggity. <laughs> no doubt. Like the way That's you right, twerk. Hey. There you go, Will. Perfect timing. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way he works it. <laughs> All right. Uh, two estranged brothers confront each other as rivals when war breaks out between Britain and the Vikings for control of England. Uh, this is 1961, directed by one Mario Bava. Uh, I believe it was says here it was released in '63, uh, and I believe it's kind of trying to jump on the Fleischer uh, Vikings, right? Vikings, yeah, yeah. Which was the uh, Kirk Douglas Tony Curtis movie? I believe yeah. it was. Right? Yeah, nothing like a Tony Curtis, nothing like a Viking from the Bronx. That's well, right. yeah, it was the same kind of thing. That was the same issue I had with him in Spartacus, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, hey, Spartacus. Hey, Spartacus. Uh, and, and I also taught the Pharaoh's son the classics. <laughs> or something like that. But, Tony, oh, my God. We got our Tony Curtis impersonations. We got our Charles Bronsons. I don't, I don't know if we can do a Cameron Mitchell. But, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I'm going to throw this out know. there. To, I'm going to throw this out there. Cameron Mitchell. I'm going to throw this out there. Charles Bronson plus... William Shatner equals Cameron Mitchell. That, that's uh, yeah, relatively, yeah, yeah. But but also heavily sedated. Like if you gave them lots of Nyquil, then you would have Cameron Mitchell. Yeah. Well, he almost he almost sounds like actually and ironically uh, Kirk Douglas, but without the high the highs like the yeah. the, the Kirk yeah. Douglas voice with it. Yeah. You know, like that yeah. kind of. Yeah. What are you doing? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so that that is what we're talking about. This is an Arrow Blu-ray release. Uh, let's get into it a little bit. Who wants to take the lead? Who wants to talk about some Bava? Who wants to get going on this puppy? Uh, I kind of guess, um, just because I picked the other film, and I won't be leading on that one, unless one of you feels a no, 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 no. quivering in your loins to open up the uh, quivering, festivities Quivering here. in my loincloth. Yeah, that's right. That's right. So yeah, this is uh, this is an arrow release, as you'd said. We, we haven't done an arrow in a little while, Bob. But we were just talking. Uh, unfortunately, I fell into the ether. But we were just talking about Bob's filmography, um, inadvertently behind the scenes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We've covered a fair bit of Bob. Maybe we haven't covered a fair bit of Bob. What have we covered other than uh, other than uh, rabbit dogs? I feel like I feel like Todd and I covered one while you were out. Yeah, maybe, maybe we, we did, did Kaltiki, the Immortal Monster. Oh, that's right, we did oh, Kaltiki, yeah, yeah. and me, me, and you will. We did Planet of the Vampires, so we did that one. Yeah, right, right. Did okay. you ever do Absurd? Or no, that wasn't him, was it? Mm, Not Absurd. Um, was, mm. Oh shit! What was the other? Uh, never mind. Anyway, I'm looking through right now to see if there's anything else we did, but I think that might be that might be the ones right there. What we just mentioned. It's funny. I don't think I've other than we did Danger Diabolic. Oh yeah, that's right. We did Danger Diabolic as well. So mm-hmm. we've done we've done a handful. We've, he's been represented on the show. Sure, once every two years. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's been on. So <clears throat> he's a filmmaker that uh, he's widely considered. I think the grandfather of um, Italian horror. I mean, at least in terms of didn't we do the bl- style? Didn't we do Black Sabbath? Oh, I man. think we did Blood yeah, Black. Yeah, we did. Ones, didn't we? Yeah, no, we did do. I think we did do. 
both. If not, we did at least Black Sabbath. I remember the um, the Karloff segment. Yeah. yeah, we did do that. Yeah, someone okay. picked that. It was like a yeah. Someone someone picked that for us. I want to say it was a Toys for Tots episode. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we've we've done a lot of Baba. Okay, so he's been represented certainly. Um, Todd was saying off the air, there's there's chunks of his filmography he hasn't seen, and same with me for that matter. A lot of his Euro spy, not a lot. I think he didn't do a whole lot of Euro spy stuff. Maybe two. Mm, yeah. Dr. Goldfoot and Danger Diabolic, maybe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so he didn't do a ton, but... Um, well, he's he kept a film- around. Yeah, oh yeah, he definitely did. He kind of would dip into whatever was hot, and he wouldn't just stomp into the ground. He'd, he'd move on to the next thing. Sure. Yeah. Um, Workman is the way I would describe Mario Bava. Workman director. Workman, but he's also, and this is what Will and I were kind of getting at, yeah. is that he certainly had a, an auteurist... Yeah, uh, streak to him. You could yeah. tell. You yeah. can always he's an tell artisan, man. What yeah. a, what a, what a, when you're watching a Bava movie. Yeah, and, yeah. and and the the other thing about that is that, um, you could tell that you're watching a Bava movie, but you can also tell when somebody is imitating Bava. Yeah, yes. you could tell that there's there's you know you could see his influences heavy yeah. uh, on uh, on certain people in certain yeah. ways in certain movies, and you know that's that's really something to uh, to speak for, mm-hmm. uh, especially from somebody who was kind of a ham and egger. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so he's yeah. so he's really kind of one of the more interesting filmmakers, really, because he's got a style. He is, sure. a, but he'll jump genres because he needed work. He'll yeah. do whatever is available to him. And one of the re- other reasons why he got so much different work, we can bring this up, is because he always came in under budget. And that's huge because when we look at, I think if we were going to do like a Mount Rushmore of directors who could stretch a dollar and make it look great, he would be on that Mount Rushmore. I yeah, feel certainly. Certainly. I mean, just Planet of Vampires. I mean, any of his work. This film. I, that's one thing. Kudos to Arrow for putting this blue out. I'll just say this up front, speaking because we're talking about his style. This film is gorgeous on blue. Like it's oh, yeah. the, 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 the medium really lends itself well to this film and to Bava's work on the whole. Um, well, it's wow. funny because uh, because this stood out to me. Uh, the, the speaking of the Arrow uh, blue. The transfer on this is pretty dark, uh, but I, at, the, at the same time, I think it, it really does suit Bava's style very nicely. You, you know, playing yeah. off of his more his his more stylish uh, visuals. Yeah, the, so. the visuals, the color palette's fantastic. Which yeah, yeah, and I think you know adds a little mood to it inadvertently, right? Yeah. So well, I think I said in the messages, right? Uh, red lights on rocks. That's uh, yeah. That's yeah, Mar- yeah. Mario yeah. Bava in a nutshell. But I no, want to say it, it works though. I got a I got a strong Planet of the Vampires vibe from this. Absolutely, and absolutely uh, that was what's the one, two, three, four, five. That was six films later before yeah. he did that. But you could still you could see that. And then when I think about Black Sabbath now, I've been thinking about it since I brought it up. There's some of those there's some of those touches in there as well. It's sure he, he you know Baba was an auteur in a lot of ways because he he had. A, he had films that looked like his. I don't think anybody else's films looked like Bob's movies. And then, no, of course, absolutely. he was aped very much, as we'd said. And I, I wonder well, now. I mean, the man, the man created practically two genres: uh, the slasher and the giallo. <clears throat> yeah. And then, yeah. Um, you know, right. he, he heavily influenced, uh, um, you know, Alien, uh, all oh, of that stuff. Huge. Um, which, which in and of itself was uh, was another, you know getting into that cosmic horror kind of thing yeah the haunted house in space and sure 
blah, 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 blah. Yeah, no, hey, 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. And a lot of that has to do with his, his strength with visuals. His dad, Eugenio, was a cinematographer, um, which it talks about in the, the IMDb profile. And I want to say, when I think of Bob, I always think of, uh, and I think Argento had a similar path where he was into photography prior to uh, filmmaking, which lends itself well to the aesthetics of their films. And I wonder if Bob uh, hadn't have been around, if the the genre films of Italy would have looked as handsome as they had. Yeah. Because I think he kind of blazed the trail and said, this is how you do it, right? And he made money, obviously. Um, if the people that came after him, the Martinos of the world and Argento and these people would have had as much of a, uh, either from the studio's demand or their own, yeah. wanting to make the films as handsome as they, they were. Because when we think of Italian films, you think of them as being very stylish. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that part of that's cultural, certainly. But I think it doesn't hurt that the guy that blazed the trail um, aesthetically made really fantastic films. Right, right. I agree with you. Um, so, yeah, let's get into this one. So, Sam, you picked this. And this was one of those ones I felt like, if we weren't covering this on the show, I'm not sure if I ever would have got to it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not into sword and sandals. I'm not into knights and dragons. Like that whole thing isn't really, it's not my bag. Right. Yeah. I feel like, yeah. were you going to say something? Well, I was going to say that, you know, yeah, I, I, I kind of tend to agree with you because, you know, people, uh, they're kind of like martial arts films for me. Then they tend to fall into one of two categories. Mm-hmm. So they're either like the, the historical, melodramas right with a little mm-hmm. blood and skin um or else they're they, you know they, they really go with like the fanciful uh, adventure route with like yeah. monsters and, and all kinds of things and uh and in that same way you know i i tend to gravitate towards the more nutty entries in the genre mm. sure a- and this one you know falls into like that the the former category like the historical uh, melodrama sort of end of it with the revenge angle and all that but um mm. But I think the distinction here and the reason that uh, this one kind of um, stands out is uh, is because of, you know, you know Bava and his, uh, his visual sense. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it sure ain't, and with all due respect to his fan club, it sure ain't Cameron Mitchell. Oh, yeah. It's it's very much – Mitchell's always one I, I'm very indifferent to. And I'll say with all due respect. Yeah. You know, he's fine. Yeah. yeah. But this film is really – uh, held in capable hands by via Bava for right. me. Like I, I was, the set pieces um, because the story. Yeah, I mean the story. It, well, you know, interesting is is we've seen before, um, but you know he's he's cast some very capable uh, actors in this. But again, the the, the film itself looks fantastic, um, and it opens up the opening for this. And we had, <laughs> we were messaging about this. <laughs> the opening for this is absolutely insane yeah. oh my god yeah it's really intense <clears throat> yeah it it's it's bloodthirsty as all hell it is and it's really brutal for the time and even and, for now yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah and and you could you could see uh exactly the economy uh of filmmaking that bob is putting in here because he's yes. really doing a lot with very little yep. uh, and it's, tight. yeah and you know i, I gotta say so with all the the spears and arrows and shit going through people um, I, I, this reminded me of, I don't know if you guys did this when you were a kid. Uh, I did all the time. You would like draw somebody and then you would have like, you would draw the arrows and spears and shit, just going through them, like yeah, with mm-hmm. the blood dripping off and all that. Sure. Uh, and this, this opening scene reminded me of that 
Yeah. Like sitting there doing that, like to a T. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, oh, yeah. I, I mean, it's... I was surprised. I had never seen this. Um, and probably like Will, uh, maybe a little bit more adventurous in this genre, but even me, I'm, I don't jump right into this world all the time immediately. I mean, I like right. what I like, you know, like Dragon Slayer and. Well, oh, that's different, yeah, yeah different yeah, era. Yeah, sure. right, the stuff we grew up with, like I like Conan yep. the Barbarian, right, and I like oh, yeah. uh, Sword and the Sorcerer <laughs> and Game of Thrones, all that stuff's fine and dandy, uh, mm-hmm. but to go back to the Hercules films, the early Hercules films, and the early fantasy stuff can be a bit of a chore sometimes, or even the Vikings, the Richard Fleischer Vikings, which I'm not a huge fan of, I like it, but it's overlong and a bit, uh, well, it's a bit silly in yeah. some aspects, uh, but this one... For 1961, <laughs> I'm amazed at what they were able to get away with. And I wonder, when it got released in the States, I wonder if they cut anything, because it's pretty graphic. It is very good. There's a couple of moments in this, and we've talked about this behind the scenes, that are as brutal as anything in an action film nowadays. Like, it's nuts, that one specific moment. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to... Like the cruelty. Yeah, we don't want to give it away because it's a bit of a spoiler to give... It's not really a spoiler, but it's kind of a surprise. You want yeah. to save yeah, that yeah. impact. Yeah, because I'm sitting there drinking a cup of coffee while I'm watching this, and I almost spit my coffee out. Like, I almost did a spit take. Because <laughs> I did not expect that. And I was like, holy shit. <laughs> that just, and I rewound it and watched it again. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> it's the same yep. thing happened. I'm like, oh my God. What what am I in for? You know, it never really gets to that level of uh, shock again, but it really kind of grabs you by the throat and tells you that Bob Bob is like, you know, Fleischer's Vikings is one thing. This is my Viking movie, and I'm gonna, you yeah. know, I'm gonna show you what Vikings were really like. You know, that's what it feels yeah. like anyway, right? No, it does. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, the, the Viking King in this, Viking King Harold, played by Folko Luli, he worked at early in Italian films. He had a great look. He's, he's a Bud Spencer-y type, you know, burly, mustachioed man. He was in Wages of Fear. He played Luigi, one of the, the guys in Wages of Fear. He's in The Organizer, uh, The Tartars. He worked with Orson Welles. That would have been great to see those two on screen together. Um, he's got a great small turn in this, uh, in the opening. Um, but yeah, no, he's, uh, he's good. Um, running down the cast. How about, uh, Alice and Ellen Kessler, the twins? Yeah. Right. I mean, the double mints, uh, double as I like mints. to call them. Yeah. They're gorgeous uh, and they're fun in the film. I mean, with well, what they're given to do. I liked it. I'll say this. I, I thought that, you know, it was, um, it was actually put to good use. Yes. Uh, that they're, that they're twins and you know, this, that they are twins actually plays into some of the film's themes because the, th- the film does kind of touch on uh, things like uh, brother against brother and like this duality uh, sort of thing, obviously. So that the, the having the two sisters be twins uh, kind of accentuates that a little bit. I mean, yeah, it's also kind of exotic that they're that they're twins, you know, right? As these these films kind of oh, tend to have to be. Of course, it appeals um, to a certain. Right, but it's also functional, yeah. and it has it has I thought uh, a really great emotional payoff uh, in does. the uh, in the third act. So I mean, give it give it credit for that. I mean, certainly, yeah, you still have like your your little song and dance numbers, uh, which are almost inexplicable <laughs> in in any sort oh, of yeah. realistic sense. But uh, but you still get the you still I I thought that that you know I like that I, I dug that. You know the yeah the song and dance number that you mentioned that they're this like 
paper confetti that's falling around. That really, yeah. At first, when I first saw that, I was like, man, there's something wrong with this print, big time. And that, <laughs> that should tell you the clarity of Blu-ray because I, I don't think if you watch this on VHS, I don't think you could see those. <laughs> you probably couldn't make it out. No. Yeah. I kept thinking there was something wrong with the print, like it was popping all over the place. You know what I mean? Like the the film had oh, deteriorated yeah. or something. So. Uh, let me say something about the the. Fe- I heard you guys talking. I had to step away for a second. I heard you guys talking about the female characters. A lot of eyeshadow available back in those days. There was. They used mud. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, various colored I, colored yeah. muds. These are yeah, these are muds. these are Norse maidens by way of nine uh, 70s era gangster. By way of Sophia gangster, No, 70s era gangster wives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was amazing. Yeah, they look great. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> no kidding but no they look great they look great they're like you said bava's wise enough that they, they're not just on the arm of of uh our leads like they they have a few things to do in this film which is good yeah no they do they uh, they uh they make good use of them um for the for what the story's getting at yeah. considering yeah that it's a yeah, very yeah. you know male driven film but um well, they, cast, they uh, use the they use the twin twist which is nice <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, and yeah. twins, yeah, twinsies, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, twinsies, man. Uh, Raf Baldessari uh, shows up as Floki in this. Yeah, right. Oh, Floki. I love that. That one of the guys is uh, one of the villains is actually just named Floki. Yeah, Floki, like, Loki, but with an F. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Man. I'm pretty sure he was in the Great Silence. Yeah, I'm yeah, 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 yeah. I'm pretty sure that Floki is a was a pretty common Viking name though. Yeah, I laughed too though when I heard was it. it. So, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Floki. <laughs> yeah. Floki. It, it, it just sounds so ridiculous. It does. It, oh, does. it does. It does. It does. Yeah, everyone else got names like Bennett and Ranko. Well, I mean, he's Floki. Well, the king's name is Olaf. Like, and of course, the king's name is Olaf and all I could think when I heard Olaf was all I could think about was this animated snowman. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Olaf is a very Swedish name. Yeah, it is. So you know yeah. you got that going on. You got Eric going on. Uh, Aaron. Uh, Aaron. I think the most confusing thing for me at first was, and this is maybe a, a, a sign of the times for me because I had to watch this film off and on while kids were in the room, uh, oh, yeah. and I had to turn it off every now and then because it was way violent. Well, this is again what goes back to the violence. It was more violent than I thought it was, but it <clears> took <throat> me about twenty minutes to realize that Cameron Mitchell was Aaron. Yes, and George Artisan was Eric. <laughs> Yeah, it, I was a little confused at the beginning there because I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So this is – whoa, what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, it it took me a minute. And then, of course, you know, like I said, it just shows where I'm at, you know, in this era of movie watching. But once I got that wrapped around my head, I was like, oh, okay, I know where we're going now. I'm okay. But at first, I'm like, why are they why do they keep you on Eric and Cameron Mitchell's on screen? What they, his name is, or why do they yeah, keep you on like, Aaron? They, why they're they're mispronouncing his name? Yeah. yeah, I know, man. I know. It's it's a very GTTMC. Um, not like the, the the what's the word I'm looking for here? The telltale sign for them, like the reveal with them, is a very macho GTTMC thing. Well, this pretty. Uh, the, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The ink, right? Yep. It's uh, <laughs> pretty ridiculous, but pretty amazing. I got. I want to ask you guys, who who did you find more um, engaging in the film? Uh, George Artisan as Eric or Cameron Mitchell as Aaron? Oh, Mitchell. Oh, uh, I didn't. See, I no, found. No, really? I, I have to go Artisan. Yeah. I have to go Artisan. I got to go Artisan 100%, man. Wow. Yeah. yeah, Mitchell was a vacuum for me. 
for the most part, he had a couple of scenes. He had a couple. He had a really good scene towards the back end of the film, for sure. I for found sure. I found Artisan to be really, really, really bland. <laughs> Did you? No, I found yeah. the opposite. Yeah, I found. Huh. You know, Ar- Artisan in '68, uh, he made a Zorro movie that I've been trying to see forever called Zorro the Fox. Yeah. I still have. Oh seen. yeah, man, I saw that in the filmography. I wanted to check that out too. Yeah. He played Zorro. I wanted to see that. I haven't seen it still, so maybe I'll jump on that now. He, uh, he like did he made Hercules in the Haunted World with Baba. So yeah, looks like he made a couple, really couple Zorro movies. Huh. He had a he had a good like he had a good like sixties Hollywood or like a sixties movie star look. I yeah. think they could Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well he's got a very you know, a very macho face. Yeah, macho but handsome enough, right? Yeah. Like he's yeah. He kind of straddles that line, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to. I, I, I didn't. I'm not as as averse to Mitchell in this. I mean, I, I thought he was fine. Oh, I didn't hate him. I didn't yeah. hate him, but I just found. I mean, this Artisan is a lot better than. Yeah. Engaging. This is a lot better than Mitchell in Deadly Prey, where he's just kind of showing up in a. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Well, he's a lot blonder, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, very, very blonde. Comes off as red, really. It's yeah. Like copper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got copper hair. Yeah, copper hair. That's right. <laughs> He's got that George Clooney cut, '90s cut. Look like an SOS the pad. Caesar. Yeah, look like one of those SOS pads, like a Brillo pad. That's what his hair looked like. <laughs> yeah, He's got that Harry Osborne fucking hairdo. Yeah, there is there is some uh, there yeah. is some. He does have some. I have to say, he does have some good squinty acting in this. Cameron Mitchell. Yeah, he is mm-hmm. he is known for his squinty acting. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but he's he's fine. But like I said, I, I just think. Oh, Paul Smith is yeah. He is a, he well, yeah. He's a, he's a, he is a great squinter, squinter yeah. extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah squinter extraordinaire. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a that's a whole other level of squinting. <laughs> well, I mean, I'd say Paul Smith and Clint Eastwood are probably yes. the top two. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they giving you cut eye, as they say here. You guys see that term, cut eye? Giving you cut eye. Uh, stink eye, Sada, stink eye, yeah, Sada. Sada, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're all the same, yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, but uh, I'll tell you, King Harold, man, he had a. I don't know if you guys remember, but I, I wrote it down. He had a bad fucking haircut in this. Oh yeah, <laughs> really bad. There's a lot of valiant cuts though, which I guess. Yeah. If if you play a drinking game with fake beards, valiant cuts, tunics, and amulets, mm. you'll be. Blackout drunk. Yeah, and I, yeah, and eyeshadow. If you throw eyeshadow in there as a as an X factor, you're done. You're done. Yeah, you're blacked out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, return of one of the DMC calling cards. We get an eye patch. Yeah, that's right. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Very nice. You know what I thought was a really fun scene for me. I mean, it, it wasn't um, it wasn't very key to the, the the film but it was visually really fun and really kind of macho was the whole vote by way of axe throw how about that oh yeah, my that god fun. yeah that Dude, was the vikings have easily the most transparent democratic voting system in the entire <laughs> world and one of my favorite things about right. it one of my favorite way things to break up a tie yeah sorry I was going to say the way the way that they break up a tie vote uh, is something that I believe we should adopt in America, but not yeah. just only for tie votes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so one of my favorite things about the axe vote is uh, the fact that you know Baba doesn't cut away when some of the axes aren't sticking in the log, like they're throwing them and they're no. missing. And I'm sitting there thinking no. to myself, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, do those count? Yes. That was what I now, did those votes? It's like count? a hanging Chad. <laughs> those are the hanging Chads of the Viking world. Yeah. Oh, I got a hanging but, but, Chad you know, for you. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, I, was just, I was just picking at mine because they were sticking to my thighs. Oh, yeah. um, ew. Uh, so while I'm at it, uh, Cameron Mitchell chads. would not have made. <laughs> while I'm at it, Cameron Mitchell would not have made a good blacksmith because no. he's fucking he's short arming 
Yeah. Those yeah. hits yeah. with the hammer. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's obviously yeah. not the uh not the blacksmith that his uh uh challenger is. Like he gets done no. with the sword quick. Yes. And, and I like that little moment where they start fighting. They start fighting. The swords are still glowing. That's yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I wondered how they did. How do you think the guys they, they did <laughs> Probably that? Was painted that it. Like a pole? Yeah, yeah, they would have painted it maybe. And yeah. Yeah, that's, and that's no one, no stuff one, I love seeing. Yeah. yeah, no one bother with his mastery of lighting. I'd imagine that they probably just put yes. some type of fluorescent paint on there or some reflective paint. And sure. he probably just hit those swords with it, probably. But I love shit, little shit like that, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really that's cool, one of my right? favorite. Really? I'm glad you brought that up because one of my favorite moments in the movie is the voting by axe. I mean, it's just like. It's so cool, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know if that's an actual thing or not. I've watched a lot of Viking stuff. I watched the TV series. I don't remember that ever being a thing, voting by axe or even knives. So <laughs> I've never seen that before. It's one of yeah. those things when you can see something macho and, and just ridiculous and impractical yeah. <laughs> that you've never seen before. Yeah. And how did no one rip this off? <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, why did you tell me like that? You know, one of these fucking barbarian films in the '80s wouldn't have ripped that off. It's amazing. It definitely should have been a bigger thing in the whole uh, yeah. sword of sorcery, sword yeah. and sandal sort of. Uh, yeah, Game realm. of Thrones. Yeah. Game of Thrones should have ripped uh, this off easily. Man. Yeah, right. Game of, Thrones, Game of Dude, Thrones totally should have had an axe. They would have moment. gotten awards for that. <laughs> yes. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, that that whole scene is just everything macho. You get from the axe vote to the blacksmith off. Um, <laughs> The Wakandan law at the, you know, they kind of got the Wakandan law at the end of that really kind of spectacle, high volume action set pieces until I saw this. And maybe he had 15 horses or 10 horses, but he made it seem like a, a lot larger, obviously. But even with the ones that he shows, he shoots them really efficiently where the geography yeah. is, is good. Um, it just feels frenetic. And, and in a way, getting it shot in so tight lends itself to the kind of the frenzy of those moments. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So really, really good. Um, how about this, man? Ric Flair approves of the robe game in this film. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are some amazing robes. And these, like, all joking aside, those robes would not have, well, Baba would have got them done cheap probably, but... Uh, he probably could have sewn them himself, but yeah. uh, the robes really look gorgeous in this film. Um, oh, you know what else is good, too? You know, Bava shooting stuff in tight. I love the stuff when the ships are coming in, and he's shooting them in tight, but it just, he's such a great master of kind of sleight of hand and camera trickery that it just it still feels very epic and, yeah, and yeah. foreboding. The man um, knew how to get scale on screen. Yes, thank you. He totally did. And he also knew how to get George Animal Steel on the Viking ship playing the drums. That's right. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Just didn't, he didn't have the green tongue, though. Yeah. He wasn't they, eating a turnbuckle. Yeah, they were feeding him turnbuckles off screen. I <laughs> <laughs> was at the commissary. He was fucking yeah. <laughs> chawed down on a fucking turnbuckle. That's him. And everyone else is having herring. He's eating turnbuckles. <laughs> um, they got the Meg Foster lookalike in this with the eyes. Um what else do we say here? Yeah, I talked about the action, really great. Um, what else? Uh, you know, I got to say, I really wish Bava had have directed, um, like he had a calling card in the in the spaghetti Western world. Because it, he's one of those filmmakers that, I think he might have written some, did he direct? I think, I he, I think he directed a couple Apache. <clears throat> so, yeah. No. So, so this is Minnesota the interesting Clay thing. Or something, or? No, no, that was Minnesota Clay was uh, Martino, who did also didn't direct a whole lot of westerns. But Bava did a couple. Roy Colton, Winchester Jack. Yeah, oh, I, I've never seen. I've never seen one of his westerns. I'd be curious Neither to check one I. out at some point. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely would. And what's this one? Uh, Ringo of Nebraska. Ringo of Nebraska. Huh. Oh, I don't really recognize anyone in the cast. No, no, no. Piero Lulli sounds familiar, but I can't say that he would be. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I really wish he had made a couple more because he, you know, just a master, right? So um, I love uh, love the shots that are in this. Um, how about this? There's a battle in this, right? It goes pretty good, goes pretty hard. Some good kind of melee action, including someone getting fucking drop kicked off a cliff. <laughs> it's, it's pretty. I think again, the action stuff doesn't seem as like it feels pretty intense. It doesn't feel kind of clumsy and overly choreographed where they're yeah. pulling their punches. Like there's a, a no. certain kind of physicality to it. I like. Well, it is interesting. Yeah, you, I mean, it is interesting you say that because I'm pretty sure at one point Cameron Mitchell's character Aaron does a running drop kick. I mean, very similar to a wrestling drop kick. Yeah, like a yeah, two foot yeah, yeah. missile drop kick. Yeah, I'm sitting there, and I've always thought that move's kind of silly anyway, but. Uh, it really looks silly in this, but I thought to myself, I kind of chuckled because I was like, wow, man, Vikings had the running drop kicks, the missile drop kicks. <laughs> that oh, yeah. Rick McGraw. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, no, I agree. The finale is really huge. It's really tense. It's very well orchestrated. Uh, and it, it, you know, it does a nice job with like tying up multiple angles, uh, the yes. film and making them converge and all that. And the, t- the pyrotechnics in this are impressive as all hell and really kind of dangerous looking. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's like real people next to a real fucking fire that's fallen down on top of them. Yeah. Man. Oh yeah. Um, and I feel that, you know, uh, I think that, uh, Kurosawa would have uh, approved of the, uh, <clears throat> the villains ending in this. Yeah. Uh, yes. very, very, uh, let's say throne of blood. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, yeah. That's what yes. I'm saying. The, the, some of the arrow stuff, I wonder how they pulled the, some of that stuff off. I agree. Yeah, yeah. The arrows to, and you know what else, man? Without actually, without actually shooting arrows. I mean, yeah, you know, we we talked about when we reviewed Throne of Blood, the Mufuni <sighs> was super uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, yeah. because they you actually the shot, on his, yeah, because they actually shot arrows at him, and you know, he, yes. <laughs> he was padded and protected, but he did not want to do that scene. He knew it would make for great cinema, but he did not want to do that. And uh, Kurosawa talked him into it, but you can see the terror on his face in Throne of Blood. Oh, yeah. uh, and this. Uh, I I feel like there's moments of terror on many of the actors' faces. They're like, oh, shit, we might not make it out of this. Baba, he might do us in. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I know. I know, but I'll tell you, we talked about that axe thing. You know what else was a pretty fucking rad macho moment? Is when the archers, they're trying to figure out how to scale the wall. The archers shoot these, like, humongous arrows up the wall so he can climb them like a ladder. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's some yeah. macho shit. That is like it's really, it's a really cool, impractical, implausible. But yeah. at this point, we're just going with it, right? Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. But no, those are all my notes. Uh, I, I, yeah, those are my notes. It's funny, Baba. His influence seems so deep. Like that, that almost sounds like something like out of a Marvel comic or something. It does like, or, shooting yeah, arrows think, to make yeah. a ladder. Yeah, it almost sounds like something out of a. <laughs> A Conan comic or something. I wonder. You know, Catches bullets with his teeth. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure some of the comic book guys of the time, Roy Thomas and some of these guys, they might have been into Bava. I, <laughs> I can just, see that. I just say that yeah. because I've been recently reading some Savage Sword of Conan, some Roy Thomas versions, you know. So I've been reading that. That's and so this, great. Yeah, been that thinking one, about it. John Bushima and Ernie Chan were drawing it. Oh, man. Yeah. Barry Windsor Smith. Oh, yeah. All right. Mm hmm. Uh, yeah, Todd, what do you got? What do you think about Eri- Eric? Aaron the Viking? Aaron, Aaron. Uh, Eric the Conqueror. <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, so kind of reinforcing what, uh, what Will was getting at there. I think that some of the shots in this are, you know, dare I say it, majestic. Mm-hmm. Uh, they really do look like paintings. And I think that they further the idea uh, that Bava was really kind of a master of, uh, of painting with light. Um, and he does do a marvelous job, I think, uh, mixing the studio bound stuff and the location shots together. Uh, the film feels uh, both appropriately epic and appropriately intimate. Yeah. Uh, if that kind of makes any sense. Yeah, no, um, yeah, no, it does. Absolutely. It really, it really hits, you know, the highs and the, and the, uh, the more quiet moments. Um, I think the villains in this are appropriately cruel and vicious. Uh, and they are certainly not above assassinating Kings in broad daylight. Um, I don't know. The one thing I'll say about the villains, the, uh, the main, uh, the magistrate character that wants to marry the queen or whatever, he reminds me of like a doctor in a Woody Allen movie or something, but outside of that, (laughs) I can't remember that actor's name, but that's what, you know, like he just, he just looks like he doesn't out of all, all the characters in the movie. He's the one to me that felt like he didn't fit in with the rest of the cast. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, he's, he's fine. Villain, he's so. fine. Yeah, he's fine, and he's uh, cruel, and I like that. Yeah, but, but yeah, it yeah. was it was weird to me. Like he just felt kind of out of place. I can't remember his name. Uh, Do you guys remember his name? That actor? No, not off the top of my head. Mm. No. Right. Um, I thought that it's it's kind of interesting that the the Brits. Uh, in the movie, say that the Vikings are nothing but savages that need to be exterminated. And um, I was supposing at first that we're meant to think the opposite, but then yeah. the very next scene uh, is of a couple of Vikings trussed up in barbed wire uh, or something. I yeah. think it was barbed wire. It looked like barbed wire, uh, and ready to be killed for uh, for breaking the rules by yeah. their fellow Vikings. Yeah. So infidelity, uh, infidelity, right? Was it infidelity? Uh, it was because she was a Vestal Virgin. Ah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if in Viking history, if I don't know if they. I guess they did sacrifice animals. Maybe they did. I can't remember. Feels they might have. Like they would have. Yeah. At one point, there's an animal sacrificed off screen here, and it's the most pathetic sounding uh, uh, animal sacrifice ever. It's like, <laughs> and then you just see them hand a cup of blood to Cameron Mitchell. It's like, I don't remember this ever being part of a Viking ritual, but that animal. I think it was a goat or a cow. It's like. It's the saddest sounding thing. <laughs> uh, you do get I like uh, so. As I was talking to uh, to Will about earlier, I think it was part of the part of this that got cut off. Um, you do have the uh, the people standard of the uh, the short comic relief character uh, who frustratingly avoids getting killed at every turn, mm. um, and you have that here. So uh, I like I like. Uh, we were saying earlier, when I think of peoples, uh, I don't tend to think of the more European uh, stories. Hmm. Uh, I tend to think of the uh, the stuff that's actually in like the, like the mythological stuff, the uh, the fantasy stuff, yeah. uh, oily chests and tunics, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not really that, so it, it kind of is a bit of an adjustment for me. Hmm. Um, to uh, to put this into that category, but like I said, it does have the little short jester kind of character who uh, is both irritating and kind of uh, damn it, uh, he actually fits the relief mold because uh, he gives you a little bit of a, a break here and there uh, yeah. from some of the more somber proceedings mm-hmm. uh, of the film. You, you say uh, people, yeah. I say yeah, people, right? So that's that's a, what I always, people, yeah. yeah, I know. Every, there's, I've always, I've heard it different ways over the years. Peplum people. I don't know what the right way to I say would, it is. I would imagine that the actual pronunciation would be peplum. Ah, uh, and and I would imagine the actual pronunciation would be peplum. 
Uh, yeah, no, because because I, I think when they when they when they say it, when they use the letter E in uh, in Italian, it's generally like eh. Eh. Yeah. yeah. So. Um. So yeah, no, I, I, I was thinking of problem. Ooh, <laughs> that's not tasty for anyone. Ooh. Unless you're a Gerber butt. baby. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Uh, I gotta say, I thought that this uh, movie was gonna kind of play out differently uh, than what it does. I thought that yeah. uh, you know the Mitchell and Artisan characters were going to be like the good guys in tandem and in pretty short order, you know, like have like a, a Marvel comic style dust up, um, and then kind of just you know work together throughout the rest of the movie. And, and that does kind of happen. That expectation is is both met and kind of subverted. Yeah. Uh, though I, I, I just it it did it took a lot longer than I had anticipated it, yeah. uh, it taking. It's a bit shocking, right? I mean, I you know, there's actors I've thought of over the years who define genre acting. Yeah. As we've gone on and done this show, I don't know if there's more of a genre actor American-wise than Cameron Mitchell. I mean, he uh, yeah, no. He did everything from ninja, yeah. ninja movies to action movies to war movies to westerns. I mean, when you think of B through Z grade films, Cameron Mitchell's in the conversation. He's certainly in the conversation. I mean, he him he he'd be up there with Lee Van Cleef in that regard. Yeah, I mean, he covered every genre that I can think of. Did Van Cleef do horror films? I don't, uh, I don't know if he ever did a horror film. I mean, Cameron Cameron Mitchell like a science fiction kind yeah. of deal. Mitchell did every. I mean, he did he he did. Uh, no, he he was he, yeah he was in uh, It Conquers the World. No, oh, there you go. Lee Van Cleef. There we go. There you go. So. Uh, Cameron Mitchell, I mean, he even did musicals, for Christ's sake. I mean, this guy did wow, everything. that seems... <laughs> I mean, I just can't think of anything that he didn't do. Now, he was a guy that never would turn down that work. He got, he's got 242 credits to his name. So he never turned down work. He worked from the time he started till the time he died. I mean, he just worked. Yeah. But and if you go through he's his... working actor. Yeah. yeah, if you go through his filmography and TV work, I mean, you will see every genre. Every genre. Mm. Uh, and uh, he, he pretty much covered it. He... <laughs> I bet I bet there's very few uh, genres, if any, that he didn't do. I mean, hell, he was even in Viva Knievel, for Christ's sake. That's crazy. <laughs> That's saying something. Yeah. What did oh, he play, the Grand Canyon? Born mind. in, uh, uh, you hear this, uh, Todd. Born in Dallastown, Pennsylvania. Cameron Mitchell. Nice. Yeah. He's a PA guy. That explains well, a lot. I know Dallas. <laughs> there's Dallas, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it says Dallas Town. Uh, I don't know if Dallas Town. Yeah. There's also Allentown, as there Billy Joel Allentown. once told us. Yeah. There's Allentown, there's Quaker Town, there's Levittown. There's, we got there's a Funky Town? There is Funky Town. You got to, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, there is uh, There is actually an Electric Avenue. Yeah. Uh, well, there you go. Over out west, which so, we used to drive past sometimes when we were driving out to college. Well, you're not supposed we'd to. Always, we always wanted to stop there. Yeah, because uh, you got to walk. Did. You got to walk down, too. You can't drive to Electric yeah. Avenue. Well, yeah, that's I mean, right, yeah. because then you can take it higher. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Yes. We never, we never took it higher. You never took it higher. That's right. No, no diggity. No diggity. <laughs> no doubt. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Lordy might. Uh, so, um, yeah. So the movie, the, the way the movie plays out is uh, is kind of interesting. And, and it was, I was kind of interested. Um, I was uh, I, unexpectedly. It has some uh, some kind of heavier uh, religious aspects to it here and there, mm. uh, which I wasn't uh, I wasn't. Uh, fully uh, anticipating mm -hmm. so yeah i mean the movie it does have all the cliches that it needs for for the genre right uh but it's treated i thought it was treated uh pretty maturely uh by and large for the most part mm -hmm. um 
We went over that one, over that one, over that. The film's final shots are kind of unexpectedly bittersweet, and it's really abrupt, the ending is. Like almost, almost, oh shit, I'm trying to think. Ah, damn it. It's not going to come to me. Um, so, but yeah, uh, overall, I, I like this thing. I'm pretty sure I liked it more than uh, than both of you guys did. I know that we've had uh, some discussion offline about it, uh, but I was really surprised at how much I liked yeah. it, although I didn't really like it necessarily because of uh, any sort of real engagement with the, the characters or anything, although it, it is, you know, like I said, it is handled in a fairly... Yeah, straightforward and uh, and mature manner. But I liked it more for its uh, its stylistic yeah, aspects for the filmmaking of it. Else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I have to say, coming off of it, that's what I remember the most about it, and what I'll always remember about it is the filmmaking itself. I haven't listened yeah. to the uh, commentary track by Tim Lucas yet, but I'm sure it's good. He he knows everything oh, yeah. about Baba. Uh, he's pretty. Well, I would, I would, you know, having seen this, I wouldn't mind seeing more peplums uh, from Arrow. Sure. See what what they could bring to the table. Although I think that you know, you do kind of tend to think that that could be a one trick pony unless they decided to put out like uh, a Sons of Hercules box yeah. set or something like that. Well, that, there's some good. Yeah, um, there's some good stuff out there. It's just you know, there it, is. Like all genres, like you said with kung fu films earlier. I mean, you right. got you got to dig. I mean, you're not yeah, gonna yeah, yeah. you're not gonna just say I want to see a bunch of peplum films and. You know, get well, a bunch, hold of a bunch, and you're going to see a bunch of, you're probably going to see, like any genre, you're going to see a lot of poop. <laughs> peplums, peplums for me, when I was, when I was, uh, when I was growing up, peplums for me were always, they were the lazy Sunday afternoon sure. viewing. Yeah. So in, in, in certain ways, when I look at them now, I almost enjoy seeing them in really shitty prints. Yeah. Because that's the way that I'm used to seeing them with the commercial breaks and everything yeah. else. Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I when I and when I see them like that, it does bring back a very heavy mm-hmm. uh, nostalgia wave. Sure. Uh, kind of hits me when I watch them. Yeah, I, you um, know, we're the same age, so I know that uh, you probably watched the same things I watched, and I watched a sure. lot of those too. And uh, you know, I seen Hercules, I seen Steve Reeves a lot. I didn't even know who Steve Reeves was for years. Yeah, he, he may Park and all those. Guys. Yeah, he must may, may have just been. He should have just been Hercules because that's who he was to me forever. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, and then when I got old enough to start actually, you know, evaluating movies and looking into stuff, I found out it was this, you know, one of the early bodybuilders and all this stuff through way of Schwarzenegger and all those things boys do. You know, we kind of just start doing our little research and stuff, and then you find out Schwarzenegger was a huge fan of Steve Reeves and mm-hmm. and all these things. You you find out uh, over time and stuff, but yeah, no, I mean this is a genre that takes me back to being a kid as well uh, because I, you know. I lived in a lot of fantasy when I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I, you know, not so much dragons and stuff, but I really did like the, you know, I loved Conan. I should say that. I mean, I just, I loved the Robert Howard stories and I loved all that. Of course, if you read it now, you're considered a racist, but you know, that's, that's yeah. the world we live in now. But, mm-hmm. uh, I love those stories as a kid and, and, uh, oddly I'm not racist. I don't know what that is. Oh I, yeah, I do. I, I it's, it's called I thinking know. for yourself and being an adult. My bad. I'm sorry. I was thinking of canceling you. Oh yeah. No, you fuck Fahrenheit. Cancel your, I'm going to cancel you hard, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Cancel culture. That's you. Todd cancel culture. Hottie. I am Todd outrage culture. Todd. <laughs> yeah, <that's right>. yeah. <laughs> outrage documentary on Joker nominations. Toddy. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, did that get nominated for anything? <laughs> yeah, it would. Everything. If we made it, it would. <laughs> It'll be on Facebook Watch, that platform. It'd just be me with like a plate of Scrapple you know, and just staring into the camera. Yeah. 
you know Facebook, that uh, that platform of uh, total calm and soothing in nature. No, no fire, no fire <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It's rationale book. That's right. That's that's what it should be called. Uh, is that everything you got though, Todd? It is. Man, I got kids running around at eight thirty in the morning. I have no idea what's going on upstairs. Uh, I ran up there and they were back in bed. Now they're running around again. I, don't know, I think I think it's Christmas or something. It might be. Uh, well, no, they're not gonna. They're gonna be very disappointed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I, I think what you know, these are fun to do. Like every now and then. I don't know if we've ever really done much fantasy. I know Todd and I covered Dragon Slayer. Yeah. I don't know if Will and Will, well, Will and I did Conquest. Unfortunately, that got lost to the ether. But I would oh, like to revisit that. Great ones. Yeah. So we've done this genre before, and it it is it is hard to speak to on a. You know, relative basis, I think. I mean, because it's hard to relate to anything because you really got to get wrapped up in the world it creates. But I think what Bava's always done well, we talked about this when we did Danger Diabolic, is he creates worlds. He does a very good job of that. Yeah. Um, uh, for a buck, for a buck savings here. I mean, he's always done that, but his movies never look cheap, at least not to me. Um, yeah. This one looks as good as like some of the big Hollywood stuff that like MGM and other companies were making. I know Vikings was a big budget movie, uh, the Black Robe, things like that. I mean, these movies cost money back in the day. These kind of dress uh, fantasy middle age films, or yeah, middle ages film, not middle age films. Uh, they cost money back in the day. Like they were big budget things. I mean, look at Cleopatra and stuff like that. I mean, these were big budget things. But uh, the Italians, obviously, in their infinite wisdom, could turn them for a buck, you know, and just turn these things out. And, uh, you know, maybe it helped that they had some areas of Italy and certainly of Europe that they could access that uh, looked like they were kind of untouched by modern times. You're right. This one, uh, you get the studio aspect with the big tree and the confetti and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah. But you and also, the fog and- yeah, well, that Italian fog, right? But you also get mm-hmm. the, uh, the outdoor scenes, but they never shoot more than they need to yeah. to make you think it's anything more than, you know, this rural countryside and everybody kind of lives in caves and castles and uh it works um i think it's if, if there's anything to bob's genius over the years that i've realized is that he manages to capture an aesthetic and kind of stick with it uh maybe better than most and, and certainly better than some i see you over there <laughs> there's my daughter oh hang on i'm popping cracking here oh there we go sorry hey what are you doing what are you doing you awake Man, you're awake early. Mm. <laughs> How you doing? You tired? <laughs> yeah. You gonna watch your iPad? Well, that's. Let's not watch those while I'm recording. Ryan's awesome, but Ryan and me, not while I'm recording, please. Ryan O'Neill, yeah. <laughs> no, no, nothing. Ryan. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So that's all. I don't really have a whole lot more to add. You're gonna hear some YouTube videos in the background. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see. I see. I know Ryan. He plays with all kinds of stuff. Ryan makes me buy all kinds of stuff. Yeah. That's what this... You know this kid, Will? You may have missed this boat. This Ryan... Uh, toy yeah, review. I What's his name? Oh, I'm not sure. No, I think he's... Yeah, I think we missed the boat on that one. Ryan's Toy Review. Yeah, he's a, his family's quite rich. He just They just send him toys, and he opens and plays with them. And, man, if you're a kid, this is like the, the dream nice. show. Yeah. Richie Rich, uh, yeah. If you're a kid, this is the dream show because then he, you know they basically are selling these toys to you, and then mm-hmm. you go to the store and like, oh, Ryan, that's Ryan's toys. I'm like, oh boy, here we go. 
Anyway. <laughs> uh, I found the acting to be pretty solid, though, overall. Uh, a bit stiff. The dialogue scenes we kind of talked about behind the scenes. Yeah. They kind of were a bit wonky. And, you know, I mean, you're delivering dialogue that you have to deliver. You're moving the plot along. But it is a bit stiff. Uh, you know, obviously, you're not going to use slang. You're not going to talk like Shaft or uh, Fred Williamson from uh, Black Caesar or something. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, even then, it was even more stiff than I was kind of ready for. So that kind of took me out every now and then. But the action scenes and the aesthetic of the movie and everything worked. Um, I liked it more than I thought I would. Uh, when I had messaged you guys, I still had about 20 minutes to go. So I still had about 20 minutes to pay off. So it worked pretty good. Uh, I don't know if you guys can hear that video in the background or not. I'm sure by the time I level all this out and everything else, that's going to come through nice and clear. Yeah, I see. <laughs> I see. They're, he's playing with Legos, big Legos. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right. Um, but, yeah, I don't have a whole lot more to add. I mean, Cameron Mitchell's fine like he is in most things. I mean, he just, he's not going to set the world on fire. I can't think of one performance in his career where I thought, you know, man, he's he's like an amazing thespian. He was always just a very workable, serviceable actor. Yeah. Yeah, he had a look, and yeah, that's that. Yeah, yeah. And, he, you know, he got hired a lot. So I think his first movie was with John Ford, and I think he worked from that point on. Okay. Oh, those are the two babies? Okay, yeah, Emma and Kate. That's right. All right. <laughs> She's fascinated with babies right now. We're going through that phase where she, you know, really into baby dolls and, you oh, know, babies. Funny. Yeah, it was pretty funny until the other night. We were, I'm playing grocery with her last night, grocery store. we got this little grocery store we play with. And yep. I'm behind the counter, and I'm, you know, ringing up items. And she's like, you got to hurry. I got a baby in my belly, and it's about to come out. I'm like, where did that come Ooh. from? Yeah. <laughs> and then she. And, and, That's and, sudden. Well, yeah. In true GGTMC fashion, though, she goes, hang on. I got to run home. Baby's coming out. <laughs> <laughs> she runs into her room, grabs a baby doll, and comes back and says, here's the baby. I'm like, wow, that is GGTMC right there. So oh, my, yeah. daughter, my daughter, GGTMC to the bone without even knowing it. Those are twinsies. They're twins. <laughs> I'm actually talking about twins on the movie review. Yeah, yeah. the Kessler twins. All right, uh, but yeah, that's all I got. I don't really have a whole lot more to add. I'm glad we covered it though, because like I said, it's not a genre we touch on very often. So it's kind of fun to touch base with this genre every now and then. Yeah, no, it is. It definitely is. It's one of those. One of the great things about doing a show with with like-minded people is, you know, sometimes someone will throw up uh, something out of left field, and and it uh, it comes true. And and I gotta say, I think this did. I'll get into my stuff here. Make or break is the opening. As much as I could have gone with the axe throwing, or I could have, hey, Bubba, uh, now my uh, youngest rascal's up. Yeah, there you um, go. <laughs> shut the door, Bub. Uh, no, yeah, okay, good. On air. Todd, you peed uh, on me on air, and now yeah. you're peeing in the bowl on air. Yeah, Todd will get you. I'm uh, bowling me. Yeah, yeah. Todd will. going to bowls in it. Yeah. You're going to have to get that puppy, Todd, so you'll have something coming into your room uh, around 8.30 oh, in the morning. buddy, don't worry. It's coming. <laughs> I can't wait. Nice. I can't wait for all the fucking the shit that I get to clean off the car. Yeah. That's right, man. Uh, so make or break the opening. I, as much as I love the axe, the democratic process by way of axe, or the climbing up the wall, or uh, the ending's really good. I think it pays off well. That opening really um, put me at ease in terms of what I was watching. Like it felt really crazy and fun and action-packed. I thought, wow, this is this is good stuff. Why did I ever doubt it? It's Baba. Uh, MVT. I'm just gonna go with. Um, I'm going to go with Baba. I was going to go with the sort of aesthetic or the, you know, uh, but I'm going to go with Baba because he's the man that orchestrates it all. Um, and my score is a 6.5 out of 10. I, I enjoyed this one. Nice summer, nice Saturday uh, fair. Really, really fun stuff, man. I, I want to listen to that commentary track as well. 
Oh, cool. Uh, make or break for me, yeah. I mean, uh, we're in lockstep uh, on this uh, for the most part. It's the opening massacre. It gives us our first, uh, but thankfully not our last, uh, taste of everything we can expect from the movie. You know, the you get you get the scale, you get the violence, you get the um, you get the melodrama, you get the cinematic skill uh, of what's going on behind the camera. Uh, everything that you need, uh, everything that this movie is, is uh, is right there in those opening minutes. Uh, MVT, yeah, it's Bava. Uh, the man clearly took to heart uh, all of his learning, and you know he, he was obviously meant to be behind a film camera. Yeah, and and I think that every frame of this film shows that. Mm-hmm. Um, score for me a little bit higher uh, than Will, but like I said, I, I knew that I was going to come in higher than both of you guys on this. I'm I'm guessing because uh, I'm a seven out of ten. Um, nice. But we still got that. We still got that point five. Uh, yeah, that point five margin. As we always, we always have the half point there, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, yeah, my, uh, you know, my MVT. Yeah, it's got to be Bava. I mean, I, I I just don't see how it isn't Bava. I mean, this thing oozes Bava more than anything. Uh, yeah. Although, you know, I got to say, I, I did enjoy most of the acting. I mean, again, they're not given a lot to do. They're mostly just dress up and deliver these lines in a very stoic way, but. I ended up kind of finding that appealing in some weird way. Um, but probably why I liked Artisan so much is because he's the one that really kind of shows more emotion than anybody. It's kind of, you know, kind of visceral acting a little bit from him. Uh, make a break. I'll go with the opening. There's a moment in the opening that I'll not soon forget. <laughs> mm-hmm, and uh, mm-hmm. I'll stick with that because I was like, what? And it's like, a, you know, jaw dropping moment. I was like, yeah, all right. We're in for something here. Uh, I. Yeah, I could round the score up and be even with Todd, or I could drop it down and be even with Will. But I'm not joking around when I say I wrote down six point seven five. <laughs> so it's it's funny to me because I think Will Will was six five, right? And then you were yep. you were seven. So and I'm right in the middle, six point seven five. Uh, but I did end up enjoying it. I, I struggled with some of it, especially in the middle, where it felt a bit saggy while it was trying to work itself out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm not one that needs action scenes for our, you know, that that famous criticism. Nothing happens. I'm not one that's going to say something like that because two characters in a room, something's happening. I mean, if two characters are talking, something's happening. But in this sense, I was happy whenever we would revisit the battlefield uh, because of the way Bava shot it. And even then, it just I'd be happy when we revisit the big tree. Uh, it's you know, it's pretty amazing the big tree and the. Uh, the uh, the voting backs, all that good stuff. It was fun. Um, all right. Uh, that's our thoughts on Eric the Conqueror, 1961. Again, pick it up if you're interested in that genre. It is a good-looking movie, no doubt about it. Uh, we will take a short break, and we're going to come back and talk about Someone Behind the Door, 1971. We'll be back right after this. <laughs> Somebody 
Sorry, I didn't set that up where you guys could hear from the get-go, but there's a little Somebody's Knocking. I always wanted to play that song on here for some reason. There we go. Yeah. About time. <laughs> About time, that's right. Let's see if I can turn off the screen sharing now and not uh, shut down the entire show. Hey, it worked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> had some fun this morning. All right, our next movie, film, if you want if you want to get fancy, or Miss Jackson if you're naughty. Uh, let's see here. Let me uh, get it typed in because, as is usually the case, I'm never ready. Someone behind the door, Nicholas Gessner, 1971. A neurosurgeon with a cheating wife takes an amnesiac into his home and conditions, conditions him to believe that the cheating wife is his own and to take appropriate action. All right, so this is, uh, I'd say, a psychological thriller, but uh, I don't know if the word thriller is. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a two hander melodrama, basically. Chamber piece, basically. Yeah. yeah. In a way. Well, this is, this is the, the French version of uh, uh, Unfaithfully Yours and or it, uh, Divorce Italian Style, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, what's basically what this amounts to? Probably yeah. what the most probably the reason to watch this movie more than anything is just to see Bronson and Perkins play off each other. Oh God, yeah. Because yeah. that's that 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 works and it's interesting and those are two actors that you know I find interesting. I know we all we all three of us find them interesting. That was the lure for the film, quite yeah. frankly, was to see those two who are very very different um, men and very different approaches to their craft. Yeah, just to so. see them on screen together, right? Yeah. It's. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, no, a, it's, it's an interesting performance from both of them. I mean, it's it, – well, I'll say this. Bronson is going against type. Yes, big uh, time. Perkins, not so much. He's kind of – No, Perkins <laughs> is Perkins, but he's always very watchable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always something sinister with Perkins. Even when he – you know, talk about a, a role that typecasts an actor for the rest of his life. Oh, boy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, that role of Norman Bates really – I mean – Every time he looks at the camera and he's giving you a face of concern, all you can think of is he's up to, he's up to no good. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, Bronson here, like I say, well, he's doing some surprise acting, which is kind of fun because he doesn't do that a lot. I've seen him do a few odd things over the years, some some comedic roles and stuff like that. And it can be, well, it can be... Uh, <laughs> It can be interesting, uh, and this one is it's a pretty good example. It it it's it's an interesting performance from him. And this is uh, before is this before Death Wish? Seventy one. So yeah, that yeah, wasn't Death Wish like seventy four or something. Yeah, that would yeah. be just a little bit before. Yeah. yeah, so he would go on to be really big, but uh, you know, Bronson was always known uh, for you know his look and for making money. He was all about the money. It was a job to him. And looks like in the IMDb here, it says he got 500 grand for this one. Good Lord. Mm. So, yeah. And he would make, you know, you know, eventually he would go on to make $5 million a movie. That was his whole contract set up. You know, you had to pay him $5 million and he'd show up <laughs> and do his thing. But this isn't, this isn't, you know, I guess probably the biggest, uh, credit or the biggest service we can do to anybody here is, and uh, I don't care who leads on this. It's going to have to be somebody other than me, though, because i got to walk out here and see what my daughter's doing. But um, this is as the most atypical type of Charles Bronson role you'll probably see. <laughs> it is that. Yeah. It's against type it more than anything else. I mean, it's, it's pretty amazing. But I'm going to kick it over to one of you guys and uh, get talking about it. I'll be right back. All right. Well, uh, since Will took the lead on the, the last one, uh, do you mind if I? Please do. Okay, skip and dance through this thing. 
Uh, I don't really have a ton of notes. Uh, That's but okay. I can always fill in as once yeah, you're done. Anyway, uh, so Perkins here uh, reminded me a lot of Henry Thomas, uh, the star yeah. of BT. That's um, funny you say that. I, I would have never thought of that until you said it. But no, that that's a pretty astute. He really, uh, yeah, he really does. And I think that it's it's just about perfectly cast between the two male leads. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, Bronson really does his best when he's like made of granite, and Perkins does his best when he's like a calculating, um, like weirdo sort of character. Um, yeah, he definitely does, and I think that's one of the things he always that's it, come quite naturally to him is the wheels are always turning upstairs and we can see that in his eyes, even though he's yeah. saying one thing on screen, you know, there's much more of that than, well, he does. He does this great. Perkins has always been able to do this great sort of deadpan non-reaction that mm-hmm. you can almost hear, uh, what's going on in his head, uh, which yep. is really kind of a Marvel, uh, something, something interesting to pull off uh, as an actor. Um, yeah. And so the premise is, I mean, it's funny though, believable, uh, that Bronson doesn't really, he doesn't really question too much, uh, that Perkins just takes him to his house, uh, because he is after all, you know, an amnesiac. Um, but it is, it is kind of odd to see Bronson playing a sort of vulnerability here. Um, I mean, he does get to, he does get to explode, uh, in pretty short order, but it's, it's just weird seeing, you know, him just kind of being kind of led, led through, uh, led through part of the uh, vast part of the story uh, by the uh, the yeah. Perkins character because it's it's kind of an interesting cat and mouse setup right it's just that you know uh, as you're watching it the mouse here seems just a little too eager for the cheese uh, yeah. so to speak uh, which would be the uh, the Bronson character mm-hmm. um, so amnesia is something that plays well in movies and soap operas uh, though you know it's pretty rare that it's all that accurate Uh, but that being said, when it's used in an interesting way, it plays well, like uh, with stuff like uh, memento and and that sort of thing. Um, cause I like the idea of, of memory and characters finding out who they are really, uh, for better or worse. Uh, and that's kind of what's going on here in a, in a lot of ways. Um, I've the thing about one thing about Bronson is that I've always kind of admired his insistence on working with uh, with his wife Jill Ireland. No, me too. Uh, but, to but, but at the same time, I've never really caught into her uh, as an actress. I think she does fine here she, uh, yes, as a woman this, in a loveless marriage. Yeah, yeah, this is I think within her comfort zone, and she's perfectly serviceable and fine in the role. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's 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 pretty fun watching her and Perkins. You know, go through the motions, yeah. and you can oh, yeah. you you can almost hear the gears turn in, in both of their heads. So yeah. I mean, it, it does it does well enough with. Yeah, the, I was never I've never been a big fan of hers either. Although I will no. say, in this movie, she's kind of effervescent, kind of glowing. Yes, I found she is. Her, she's gorgeous. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I never really found her like super attractive, but I found her very attractive in this film. I found Me too. Her, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, something about, something yeah, about it. yeah, a little bit more than than usual for me too. Yeah, um, I think that uh, Gessner does a really uh, solid job. Uh, he likes to use long takes. He, he likes to allow things to unspool, um, and he's he certainly learned from the old playbook of shooting through doorways and you know using frames mm-hmm. within frames. So visually, uh, even though you might not think about it being basically uh, confined to a couple of sets. Uh, and two actors for the most part, uh, he does a really good job keeping things mostly lively uh, with uh, with his shot choices between uh, between them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So good work there. Um, give him credit. And so 
this kind of is like a heist movie in a, in a certain way because it's built on a plan. Uh, yeah. And one of the things that I've always enjoyed and, you know, audiences in general enjoy is watching a plan, you know, watching a character, uh, whether he's a good guy or a bad guy, you know, hatch a plan. Uh, and it really intrigues me that we're willing to root for characters we don't necessarily like just to see if their plan works out. Like the well, yeah. plan is more important than uh, any sort of morality uh, that we might have um, in, uh, in regards to uh, how we feel about the uh, the characters. Yeah. Or, or, or maybe it's, you know, or maybe it's to delight in watching it fall apart and see somebody get well, their comeuppance. Maybe. That's what I was going to say is I think part of the appeal to a film like this is the anxiety that comes with watching a house of cards get stacked up. Sure. And yeah, seeing yeah, yeah. what's going to topple it. Right. And that's yeah. this is a very cinematic kind of flimsy but it's a house of cards so we're certainly willing to go along for the ride and, and watch it and like you said and kind of see how it all topples or doesn't yeah 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 um but it's funny how quickly perkins is able to set his plan in motion and get all the details lined up because this, oh, yeah. this film basically takes place over the course of like a day or a day and a night uh i think um but it's most it's more interesting in that he's you know he's recording everything uh, that he's that he's doing, which most of us likely wouldn't do, nope. uh, and th- and that felt really unmotivated to me, uh, especially considering how the film pans out. Um, but I mean, it is what it is. It's you know, it's how it went. Um, Bronson has to. <laughs> I got a kick out of this. Uh, he has to actually ask whether tomato juice will stain a white shirt. Yeah, <laughs> um, buddy, if you don't know that, you're not an amnesiac. You're yeah. dead. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, so, a, it's, yeah. A, it's a deep case of amnesia. Well, yeah. Well, this <laughs> what pomegranate this, juice does this does this thing come out of the shirt? Yeah. 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 No, this is my wife. <laughs> <laughs> you said this is my wife. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. <sighs> God, I love him. Yeah. Uh, so. <laughs> uh, I don't. <laughs> I'm not sure if this was adapted from anything, uh, but it does it feel like very it. much. Yeah. It does feel very much like a stage play. It does, yeah, it does. a lot. Um, maybe, and, and maybe yeah, I, I at tried, times I, around, too, I couldn't find anything about yeah. it being adapted. So. At times, to its detriment, I think. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's yeah. fine. It plays well. I like seeing these two actors play off of each other, um, but it, it it's it's a slow one. It's a slow burn. Uh, at least I felt that way anyway. Oh, it is yeah. a slow burn, it and is. it's interesting up to a point, and then it just the problem is that it begins to start turning its wheels. It starts spinning its wheels, spin, uh, running in place more or less. Um, because I think that once we get to the confrontation uh, with the Paul with Paul Damien, the character Paul Damien, uh, I think that's when the film really stumbles. I think that at this point it requires a bit too much of characters acting like idiots. Um, although it does have the convenient excuse to the film's premise. Okay. I'll give it a little bit of credit for that. Right. Get a little bit of leeway. Uh, but it also requires just a bit more of Bronson than I think is really within his range. Yeah. Uh, and those two things combined really kind of bring this thing down a bit for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had enjoyed it up to that point. Uh, but then it just really, it just kind of, it, it was the, the first domino, so to speak, yeah. uh, kind of smacking into the next one. Um, we do get a sort of explanation by the end for the, uh, the Bronson character and where he came from, which is, I thought kind of bluntly convenient. Um, 
but I just have a hard time believing that Bronson would behave the way he does after uh, kind of the big uh, reveal uh, of everything. And, you know, considering what he's been made to believe by Perkins, I find it a little bit, uh, right. it just didn't, it didn't sit right. Even though I, I could imagine a certain level of shock in yeah. the character and all that sort of thing. Uh, it just didn't feel uh, true to me. Yeah. Um, so you get the film's final moments were meant to feel, you know, a sort of pity for the characters, but it just, it didn't work. I think it unravels itself far too easily. Uh, it isn't really clever enough uh, or at all to warrant any sort of, you know, recognition in that regard. Uh, and there's no real empathy for these, these two guys who are never given an, I don't think they were ever given uh, all that much depth to, to care for, whether that's by design or by mistake. I don't know. I guess that's, that would be open for debate. Yeah. Um, but it is fun watching the two actors uh, act their way through the film. And I think that's what kind of holds it together uh, by and large, especially from Perkins, uh, Perkins side of the, uh, yeah. of the uh, aisle there. Yeah. I, uh, I kind of feel like, the filmmakers never really committed to anything other than the basic idea and the ending uh, of the movie um, because everything in between, you know, plot wise or story wise or anything, you know, any, any of those like points, uh, they don't really hold together. I mean, like I said, uh, the only thing keeping this thing going is the, is the two central performances and they are, they're fairly strong. Um, but they're also, you know, they, they can only, go as far as the uh as the the sandbox allows them to uh to go right uh right once they once they try and, and get outside the the limits of that sandbox then it just doesn't yeah. right it's not happening there's mm-hmm. nothing there's nothing to hold it together the sand's gonna flow out it's not gonna be any good right um and that's uh that's pretty much all the notes that i got on this i i liked it up to a point yeah uh it's interesting up to a point it's almost interesting more as an experiment than anything else um, but ultimately, yeah, I was, I was kind of a little bit let down, especially considering, um, considering the, uh, the actors involved in it. Yeah. But. You have to wonder, and I don't know if you guys wondered this, but you have to wonder, you know, Bronson was never known as a guy who wanted to stretch his acting chops. Like he <laughs> no. was, he looked at it as a job and that's the way he always looked at it. And I think that's perfectly fine. I think there's a lot of, you know, chivalry in that. I mean, it is, it was a high paying job. He had a great face and a great look and he was able to exploit that and make a living. Um, but this feels like, you know, like I had these moments where I thought to myself, like maybe Joe Ireland was attached to this first. And that's kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. And, yeah. Like, either, either it was one of two things, either, either he was offered it and she talked him into it or she was offered it first. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they, like, you, you do kind of get the feeling that, that it was more her pushing him into, into uh, being in this uh, as it's not really his wheelhouse. More, right. You know, right. By and, and Cause a lot of the things that they did together, she usually just kind of played the damsel in distress or kind of the, kind of a background female character. Like she's not, she never was really very prevalent in a lot of the stuff they did together. I can tell you that. I mean, you know, I, I've watched more than a handful of movies with them two in it and she tends to just be the, the female really. I mean, yes. Yeah. Here she's also the female, but a little bit more. Like I said, she she's acting a little more a little, complexity, yeah. a little more nuance. Yeah. Well, she has a little more purpose in the story. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. she's she's the driving force of the uh, of the story. Yeah. Yes, yeah, she is. So she's a little bit more interesting, and in she does take a very quick bath. We'll say that. I mean, that is a yeah. Yeah. That is a that is one of the fastest baths in cinema cinema history. I'd say. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's a quick one. Uh, big time. 
no, I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, you really don't know what's going on in the beginning. Uh, and I think that's kind of interesting. I think, you know, obviously that kind of plays to kind of what Bronson's character is going through because you don't really understand what he's up to. Uh, there's a lot of convenience, but it does feel like a stage play. Like it's even, it's even staged like a stage play. The camera zooms in yeah. once he finds a gun in the jacket, and it's like you know if you were shooting that on stage, that they would make sure you're looking at the audience when you pulled the gun out. And uh, I like that moment. I like that moment a lot, where Bronson, you know, obviously feels the gun, but decides no, no keys. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't see any keys in here. Yeah, no ID. No. Um, Got to be careful with your Bronson impersonation. It can get close to being a Cheech Marin uh, impersonation if you're not careful. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about, man? I, I am not going to sing "Born in East LA." <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, um, but they are both good in it. Uh, I, I enjoyed their performances. Again, you know, Bronson's kind of showing off his physique here a little bit. You know, he's 49 yeah. years old here. He's, uh, you know, he's one of these guys that I think in a middle-aged, uh, you know, he. he he seemed to go like I don't know if he worked out a lot. I know he smoked uh, incessantly, and it wasn't like he was a health nut. But I know he worked around his farm a lot. This is a guy who it seemed like got in better shape as he got older, and then eventually got to that uh, kind of uh, you know kind of bloated uh, geriatric phase that unfortunately all of us will probably get to at some point. Uh, mm-hmm. But he looked good, you know, most of his career, and this is Bronson at his most Bronson esque. I mean, the catfish mustache is fat and heavy in this man it is man and i'm sitting there thinking to myself at first i used to think that maybe he grew that mustache because that's all he could grow now i'm starting to think that he wore it like that on purpose because it looked well groomed in this one like, it looked pretty thick man yeah and w- it was a little bit more grown out like it wasn't like the mechanic which was a bit more wispy it, it wasn't as wispy as we're used to yeah. yeah yeah this one was a little bit more uh looks like it was designed to be that way and uh, you know, I, he just you know, Bronson's mustache is Bronson's mustache. It's not the kind of mustache I care for. I'm more of a, you know, I'm more of a Sam Franco Elliott, Nero. yeah, Franco Nero, Sam Elliott type. You know, I yeah. like a, I like a big you know furry caterpillar on that lip. But uh, you know, the catfish is prevalent. I mean, he looks. It's a catfish mustache, and it's almost Fu Manchu esque <laughs> uh, in a weird way. Uh, but it's, yeah, it's got like this little space in between, like almost like a gap in in your teeth or something. You know, it's. It's really just one of cinema's more odd mustaches. Uh, and I say that because there are so many close-ups of Bronson in this movie. This might be one of the heaviest uh, Bronson close-up movies I think I've ever seen. There's a lot of them. I mean, he, he's known for his face. Uh, but, man, he's he's in this movie a lot. And Perkins is in there. Well, you know, would you like some orange juice? You know, I mean, there's there's all these kind of things going on. <laughs> there's all these things going on here. <laughs> that are kind of sinister and odd. Uh, and uh, I, I enjoyed all the moments where these two characters playing off each other. And I did enjoy, I'm like Todd, I enjoyed the story up to a point. Yeah. You have to buy a lot at the back end, as you tend to have to do oh, yeah. with amnesia storylines. I'm not saying amnesia doesn't exist. I'm not one of those people. I do believe if you hit your head hard enough, you're going to lose some shit. Uh, I think, if anything, science has shown us over the years that if you bang your head enough, things go away. But I imagine if you had a pretty traumatic brain injury, you would lose some memory of some things. But the problem with cinematic amnesia and television amnesia and all these things, it's always hard to buy because they start to pick things back up that only motivate plot. 
That's right. Mm-hmm. They don't like pick up like, oh, I, mean, I, I would like to see Bronson saying, oh, I remember my daughter used to, you know, you know, there's none of that. It's always like, yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah. Yeah, you know? it could be that. <laughs> it could be that. Staring off into yeah. the distance. Yeah. Sleepy. Squinting. Sleepy. Yeah. I mean, there's little moments like that. It is a, a great movie, though, if you want to see Bronson sleeping. I mean, there's a great yeah. <laughs> I don't know if you see that a lot in his, uh, in his filmography. I don't know if you see a lot of Bronson in bed moments. Uh, it's a shame. We need more Bronson in bed. Um, but yeah, the turtleneck game is strong in this. The uh, oh, I think yeah. it's supposed to be. Is it supposed to be England? It is supposed to be England, right? Because she says she's it going into London. Yeah, it almost feels like Boston at times. It was shot in England, though. It was shot on the shores of, I think Kent, I believe. And uh, you know, it, it's 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 murky and a little. So I saw this movie originally. I think I told you guys this last week. I may have said it on the show, but I I got it as part of like a three Bronson set, like on VHS back when they first started selling movies to mass market you know i jumped on that train bought me a vcr started buying you know 14 and 20 dollar movie tapes uh, and so you know i came across this bronson box set that was ten dollars for three bronson movies it was this cold sweat and chino i believe cold sweat yeah cold sweat and chino i believe were the other two Oh, uh, cold sweat. Yeah, cold sweat. I yeah. thought you said I, I thought you said code C O D E. No, that'd be an <laughs> awesome movie. movie called Code Colon yeah. Sweat. Oh man, that's <laughs> that might be uh, that's our first movie. A little gay porn there. Yeah, that's our yeah, first that's, movie actually. It sounds know. incredible, yeah. man. It's our doc. It's our documentary on Todd's thoughts on Joker. <laughs> code <laughs> semicolon sweat. That's uh, the uh, so I watched those three movies of the three. This one was the one I had the most trouble with, and I remember that because I wanted Bronson movies. So there's certain actors that I admire when they go against type, but no matter how well they do, and I don't think Bronson does a bad job here. I think he does as good as Bronson can do. Yeah, he's but fine. but it he is such an archetype. He is such a an actor that is so much of his thing. You know, like Clint Eastwood or. Uh, Franco Nero for Italy's sake. Well, Franco can be a bit versatile. He did some other things. Yeah, he did. He can yeah, I can, sure. maybe not. Maybe maybe he isn't a good example. Maybe I don't know. George Eastman's obviously a good example. But I mean, there's there's just certain actors who they find the genre, and it becomes so synonymous with them that that's what you expect. I never try to hold that against a movie uh, because that's that's not fair to a movie and it's not fair to an actor because if they're trying something else, they're trying. Uh, yeah. And, you know, Bronson's trying to be an actor here. I don't know if he 100% succeeds. He gives it the old college try, but I don't think he can hang with Perkins' level of creepiness. No, it works. Not too many can. Yeah, it works, but it's a bit of a chore sometimes, even seeing these two together. Sometimes it's a bit of a, yeah, you know, I mean, you feel like it could have been a little different. Like, I would like to see James Coburn and, and Charles Bronson do this. And Coburn played the doctor. That would have been a different doctor altogether. Ooh, that would have been interesting. Yeah, but those two always played well off of each other, and yeah. you know, or even other actors that have worked with Bronson over the years. I mean, he he didn't work with the same actors very often because uh, he kind of you know they were you were you were in if you got jobs in Hollywood in the seventies and the early eighties, you were yeah I did that Charles Bronson movie. I did this Kurt you know that was back in the day when you you did, you still did a Chuck Norris movie or you did a Bronson movie or you did a you know, or whatever, a Clint Eastwood movie. Uh, nowadays, I don't think that that world exists anymore. It sort of does in the video market, you know, a Seagal movie or a Van Damme movie, but a lot of those those days are gone now. And, you know, this is not a 
a typical Bronson movie. This is not a Bronson movie. So, you know, I think the biggest, you know, like I said, the biggest public service announcement we can do here is say, if you're interested in something different from Charles Bronson, uh, then I think this is right up your alley. If you're interested from in Creepy Perkins, then this is also right up your alley because he's he's creepy in this. Oh, I think I think my daughter's coming back in here. She's well, she shut the door on my face. I don't think she's mad at me because <laughs> I'm not playing with her dolls with her yet. So, uh, so I, I, you know, a couple other things. I like Joe Ireland in the movie. I thought the movie looked fine for what it was. I mean, it is a very much a set piece movie. There's a gigantic hovercraft fairy. I never seen one of those. My God, that thing was huge. Yep. Uh, uh, it was. Uh, I wonder how loud that thing would have been. Um, anyway, uh, you almost have to consider the entire premise of the movie is one of like impotence. Maybe I might be looking too deeply yeah, into it. No, no, you could see that in there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You, definitely mean, you, you feel that. And I say that with a bit of hesitation because Perkins character is clearly attracted to his wife, uh, or at least he pretends to be. And that's where I think the impotence vibe comes from me. It's like, you know, there's moments where he's kind of staring longingly at Bronson. And I'm, I don't think, think that that was meant to happen, but I got that vibe a little bit here and there. I always got a confused sexuality from Anthony Perkins, though. Well, but that's, I mean... In most of his performances. Uh, yeah, but that's also kind of what he was, right? I mean, yeah, I, I guess so. Was, I guess he was so. a closeted. Uh, yeah, he was homosexual, but he had children and he had a married life, right? So, right, he, right. so he basically was bisexual in a lot of ways. But probably, uh-huh. probably if he was around today, he would probably identify as homosexual. Maybe right. But he didn't. But, wanna... I mean, I mean, that's what that's what he brought because that's what he was. I yeah. mean, he put himself yeah. in uh, yeah. into these parts in a lot of ways. I think. Yeah. I mean, because well, that that's, yeah. that is almost literally every single Perkins portrayal yeah. has that element in it. Yeah, post Psycho, it definitely does. And again, it comes down to that. It it comes down to to a role. When I think of roles that made actors and almost pigeonholed them to a fault, uh, I mean the Norman Bates character is 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 up there. It's got to be top five. It's got to be. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. and then Death Wish. It's odd because Death Wish, I think, is also a a, a role that pigeonholed another actor. Oh yeah. And, it's uh, not interesting. Yeah. yeah, that we got these two actors here that you know one had already been pigeonholed and one. Was still trying to find the pigeonhole, but he was going to find it just a couple of years later, mm-hmm. uh, and probably didn't see it coming. But you know, it, it is interesting. It is interesting the way that kind of worked out. This is maybe as close as Bronson ever got. Maybe some of this European stuff he did pre Death Wish is probably as close as he ever got to acting and uh, maybe art films for him. Yeah, um, or cinema as art for Bronson. Uh, I think of Rider in the Rain. I think of this and Farewell, My Friend, and. Some of these things he did. The mechanic, I think, has some. He stretches his legs more than I think a lot of his other roles. There's, but I think that's more directorial and maybe in the editing than the turn itself. I don't know. Mm. Yeah. Like it, there's the, the I don't know the father son stuff plays a little more. Yeah. Packs more emotional wallop than I think some of his other stuff does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I think you know it, out of all his. Uh, well, no, I'd have to go back and revisit Rider in the Rain and Farewell, my friend. I have to revisit those because it's been a long time since I saw those movies. I'd have to revisit. Ten to midnight. Yeah, well, for jacking off. That one's, <laughs> that one's certainly a different. That one's more of a Bronson oh, performance, right? Man. So, 
That's more like uh, Kin- Kinjite and all those, you know, yeah, those, yeah. Those performances are very much more Bronson esque, but Stone Cold GTTMC <laughs> classics. <laughs> yeah. But this one, uh, you know, it's just the look of surprise on his face is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty interesting just to see him do it over and over again because he does it a lot <laughs> in this movie. Oh, yeah. he, he bugs his eyes out pretty good. <laughs> My daughter just coming here with a Spider Man mask on. How you doing there, Spider Man? <laughs> that fits you perfectly. Spider-Man, yeah, uh, that would have been awesome. Bronson as Peter Parker, yeah, Maybe probably more J. Jonah Jameson, probably. Um, but no, I think the movie flows along pretty well. I gotta say, uh, I I did at moments lose interest in the story. It takes a long time to get to the elements that it's trying to get to. Um, I don't know if the payoffs as good as I want it to be. Uh, or wanted it to be. Certainly, the last couple minutes aren't what I want it to be. It's more of a, a shaming than it is anything yeah. else. Uh, and then, you know, kind of a, a strange kind of walking off into the sunset for another character. It's a weird thing. Yep. Yep. Uh, very European, though. Uh, it just feels, you know, like a very European ending. Does that make sense? <laughs> uh, no, it does. It does. You know, Americans, we'd want some. We'd want some. Uh, we'd want some blood for our blood. You know, pound of flesh, right? Yep. Uh, here you're not really you're not really getting the the payoff you want. But again, I think the the fun of this movie is the novelty of these two actors working together. But I'll uh, kick it over to Will. If Will's there, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like he might have stepped away or something. Maybe. Um, <laughs> sorry, guys. Forgive me. I'm just going to be one sec. I sorry. Uh, no, no problem. No problem. Um, my notes. Uh, just give me like. 30 seconds. All right. Okay. Sorry. Well, we can, we can vamp for 30 yeah, seconds. Yeah, we can vamp. Right. Yeah, no. So, yeah, yeah I mean, uh, the Bronson character, he really does. Um, I think it's interesting that, like you were saying, he, he, to take a chance like this is something. But, you know, I don't know that uh, I don't know that this was necessarily his uh, his first inclination. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's where I think, you know, like Joe. It's, 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 this, yeah. this is a this uh, is uh, a. Mind is willing, but the flesh is weak. Kind of a, a deal, yeah. Uh, is what the film basically winds up being. Um, and uh, it's funny that you you say that the engine is kind of European, and you know, I kind of almost had a. a <laughs> it's it's kind of a not great thing to say about French people, but um, you know, it's Sorry. kind of their thing to have uh, to have mistresses and shit like that. So, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, uh, it almost kind of would make a little bit of sense uh, coming from a, a French filmmaker. Yeah, and I think one of the other interesting things about the movie is too. I mean. The Bronson character is essentially just a plot device all himself because yeah, there's yeah, moments yeah. when so there's a scene where in the beginning where Perkins finds something on a beach. He finds a shoe and then he yeah. finds something else. And the only thing you're kind of given a clue at is that there's a bunch of gulls around. Uh which we're going to be talking about gulls in the future. Um yeah. uh, obviously something went down there. Uh they don't tell you, but it's clear that Perkins is looking at something. But I never really felt like I knew Bronson's character at all. I don't know if that's the intention of the director, but I never felt like I could identify with him at all. And that might be well. Part no, of the that makes that makes the moment at the end kind of feel hollow and and yeah. kind of superfluous because you're like, empty. well, I have nothing invested. Mm-hmm. I have nothing invested. I have no yeah, no skin, no context yeah. for this thing uh, to mean anything other than it be uh, just this moment that I'm seeing on screen. That's right. it. That's all right. it is. It's surface. Yeah. All right, Will. I'll kick it over to you, sir. Sure. My apologies for that. Um, so, yeah, of course, we talked about the appeal for this. Seeing two actors we admire, very different approaches, play against each other, or not against each other, but kind of go hand in hand. 
Uh, and yeah, nice surprising turn from Ireland, a little bit extra from what we normally see. Gessner is a filmmaker, a more a very interesting filmography. He did one called La Blonde de Pekin in 1967, which seems like a cross between um, this and La Femme Nikita. So an amnesiac young woman is found fainting on a bench. Oh, I thought it said beach before. Anyway, <laughs> uh, this one, he did one called 12 Plus One, which sounds pretty fascinating. It's got a really interesting cast. Vittorio Gassman, Sharon Tate, Orson Welles, Vittorio De Sica, oh, Terry so Thomas. <laughs> yeah, it sounds really... Yeah, well, yeah, we could really get going on that one, right? So yeah. <laughs> it sounds really fun. Um, that one we spoke about last week with Kazara... Uh, quicker than the eye sounds a lot of fun. He did Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane, yeah, which is a really fantastic film. That's so, Jodie Foster, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, Martin, we'll cover uh, it. Some, we'll cover it at some point. I have a Blu-ray of it. I've been wanting to cover it for some time. So at some point, yeah, maybe this year we'll we'll cover that. That's a good one, man. That's a good one. So I mean, he's he's one of these filmmakers that I, I want to seek out more of his stuff. I think this one, as you guys have hinted at, and I'll be very blunt about it. There's there's stretches where this is, it drags ass a bit. Luckily, it's 90 minutes. If this had been like an hour and 50, it would, we really would have felt the length, I think. Um, speaking of lengths, Perkins' Shearling game, though, is pretty on point in this. <laughs> Very good. And, you know, to get back to the styles, I feel like we have kind of a, a scalpel and a hammer on screen together, right? It's no. Uh, no. fun to see. And how about this? Bronson, I think you mentioned this, Sammy. Bronson's on screen for about ten minutes before he takes his shirt off. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. Shows you all tough tits. Yeah, this is the era when he took his shirt off a lot. Like he, uh, uh, you know, mid sixties to about seventy three, seventy four, right before Death Wish. Really, he took his shirt off a lot. Yep. Uh, because you know he was a bit of a specimen. I mean, he was. Oh uh, yeah. And again, he wasn't. No, I don't think he was a gym guy. I think he was just uh, working on just the farm. Kind of guy. Yeah, working on the farm and in the mines and. Yeah. Yeah, well, watermelon picking. He didn't eat a lot. He didn't eat bad because he smoked a lot. So you know, there's that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's that. You know, you, you, it's hard to eat junk food if you're smoking all the time. So yeah, no, it's true. Uh, Perkins brings that kind of quiet, that quick wit, kind of quiet confidence, where there's always something beneath the surface that we we spoke about, which I like uh, seeing in this, and it just it's in a way for an actor of Bronson's kind of machismo. There's a certain admirable lack of vanity in him taking this role. Um, mm. And also, you look on screen, he's definitely shorter than Perkins by about oh, three yeah. or four inches. Oh, yeah, no doubt. You know, he's not no Tom Cruise putting lifts in So I Look Tall or Sylvester Stallone. Like, he's, no. you know, good on him for, for owning his... Yeah. His, I, don't, uh, I, don't, I don't know how tall Bronson was. I'm, I think somewhere between 5'8 and 5'10". I don't think he. Yeah, that's why I feel like he's about five ten. Yeah, I don't think he breached uh, six feet. No, I feel yeah, five ten sound feels right. I should say it feels right. I, yeah. I don't know for yeah. certain, but um, I like uh, I like Jill Ireland and the big glasses in the tub. Uh, oh yeah, <laughs> from a piggish standpoint. Oh yeah, but, no, I like that's just oh man, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, but uh, I really like that you get this thing that it feels very real where it just feels like as a married couple, they're never on the same wavelength at the same time. Yeah. You know, and, and yeah, I yeah, think yeah. that feels, you know, as reasonably real as this can be expected in this film. They say he um, was, uh, they say Bronson was five, eight and a half. 
Wow. So, yeah. Not exactly the tallest okay. man of stature there. No. Pretty average. No, no, not Billy Barty, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, certainly not Billy uh, Barty, but, you know. But, no, but, yeah. Uh, talk, about, uh, great. talk about somebody that will give you the stink eye. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, he does. <laughs> yeah. Him and yeah, Mifune are in the Hall of Fame. Fart jokes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this feels, you know, very hitch in a way, very Hitchcocky mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, it's it's a little flimsier. And I think you'd said it, Todd, that, or maybe you did, Sammy, that it feels very much like they had the premise in place first and they were going to just kind of quickly fill in everything else afterwards, right? Yeah. Um, Here we go. Uh, Perkins was 6-1. So that, that, does, yeah. that does equate, right? So Yeah, that, that definitely felt that way. Yep. Um, what else? Man, I'll tell you. Bronson fucking hates feeling like a son of a bitch and fool. <laughs> That's right. He That's, hates it. He really does. <laughs> Almost as much as he loves orange juice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Big time. And I love when he goes... What do you do? It's speaking all that gibberish. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, friends. That was good. That was good. Man, he does not like French. No, he doesn't. All that gibberish. <laughs> um, what does this say? <sighs> what do you do for a living? What did I write? Tango down. Tango Doe. Oh, he goes, yeah, what do you do for a living? You a tango dancer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the uh, to the boyfriend or whatever? Yeah. A tango dancer. Um, yeah, so that's good. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> fucking Bronson, man. Yeah. Um, we've been waiting for this to come to a head, and i got to say, it almost could play in different hands as kind of a, a comedy in a way, right? Like yeah. a, a black comedy. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. why. That's why you know. That's kind of why I, I I said that it's uh you know the it divorced Italian style and yes. unfaithfully yours uh, yeah. angles to it. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, that's certainly. Did. This is certainly not a, a plot that has uh, ever been. This is not exactly a fresh idea. Let's say. No, no, definitely not. Uh, I got to say the back end, the back end, like there's that reveal, which as you guys said, it it doesn't give us a lot, but the way it's shot does feel very raw and very rough. Like it's mm-hmm. it, it the physicality in those moments yeah. when they're cutting between the flashback and the the present time. Yeah, it it felt pretty raw, man. It yeah. felt pretty intense. Um, I liked it. It was it was well done. It was well done. But like I said, we don't get a lot of real significance to it. But it it is effective. Um, those are all my notes. Actually, I got to run here. Unfortunately. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Make or breaks. Right. MVTs. Tyler, what you got? All right, make or break. Uh, the, I'm going to go with the finale, even though it doesn't really work. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, it's when you finally get to see the, all this hullabaloo kind of culminate. Yeah. Uh, it's mm-hmm. what you've been waiting for. It's yeah. what the movie's been leading up to. Uh, it just doesn't stick the landing. Um, MVT, I'm going to go with Perkins. Uh, I think his performance as the manipulator is what keeps any interest in this thing going uh, for the most part. Uh, it touches back to his Norman Bates performance, uh, just with a, a slightly more civilized, in quotes, uh, overcoat on it. Yes. Uh, yeah. And a turtleneck. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. For, and, that, uh, that proverbial foreskin. Uh, that's right. Yeah. And, uh, that fucking sheath. You got to have a, a scabbard for the uh, <laughs> scimitar. For the sword. Yeah. <laughs> the sword that is, <laughs> that is Anthony Perkins, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and score for me, I'm going to go. Uh, I'm going to go six out of 10. Um, yeah. Yeah. The, what, it, what it does well, it does pretty well. 
the problem is it's just there's there's too much of nothing. There's too much of insubstantial, uh, and kind of just trying to force uh, square pegs into round holes. Yeah, I think uh, this feels like a bit of a swing and a miss, right? I mean, it, yeah, it's yeah. fine, but it tries. It tries. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, maybe a, a good single. You know, maybe a strong bunt sacrifice. Yeah, bunt, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say bunt. Yeah, we're in the bunt range here. Yeah. You could uh, uh, Bronson could cut glass with them nipples, don't you think? How about that? I was thinking that exact same <laughs> yeah, thing. Could. I was like, man, I want to go get a fucking pain cut for my window. Hey, yep. you, do, you do be that, the man. You do that circular cut, and then uh, Hopkins. Yeah. Then, uh, no, you don't Hopkins. even you don't even have to put a nail on a string to get him yeah. to fucking make a circle. You could do that circle. He could do that circle cut, and then uh, Perkins could take his turtleneck and suction that glass off. <laughs> there we go. All right. <laughs> oh, we're doing sound effects. Now. Yeah, we're good. Uh, all right. Uh, my make or break is also the finale because, you know, the whole movie's building to that. So even though I didn't love the finale either, it has to, you know, that's, that's where you're going. Uh, for all intents and purposes, all the other good stuff is really just meat cute stuff between Bronson and yeah. Perkins. Um, and a lot of it's just building this relationship and stuff, so it works. But I, I, I liked, I like the finale for what it is. I just feel like it was a bit of a missed opportunity, and it kind of went out a bit like a limp noodle. But it, it works. Uh, my MVT, it's a bit of a cheat. I'm actually surprised. None of, I'm, I'm, I won't be surprised if Will does this, but and for me, it is a cheat. It's Perkins and Bronson and their interaction, because for me, that's the whole purpose of this movie. And. As a novelty and a curiosity, it's worth checking out if you want to see two actors like this work together. I mean, it's like putting, I don't know, Jack Elam and uh, Benny Hill together. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know. I <laughs> mean, I want to see that movie now. But I, Fuck yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, it's just every now and then you, you, you get these. Like, I often think of that, that, you remember when the Three Stooges was going to get made and it was going to be Sean Penn, Jim Carrey, and Benicio Del Toro? I still I do remember that, you know. <laughs> I still think about that to this day. Can you imagine that movie? You know? I mean, it could it could have been a, a a piece of poop for the ages. Pooplum. Again, go back to that. Not peplum, the pooplum. But it also could have been one of those amazing moments in cinema history where you're like, dude, have you ever seen Sean Penn, Jim Carrey, and Benicio del Toro play the three stooges? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just one of those things, right? So uh this is one of those things. I I, I just, you know, I don't I can imagine that the main drive of this movie was putting these two actors together, but this was before Bronson was a megastar worldwide. Uh, so I'd imagine that, you know, that thought process process probably wasn't there. This is why I got to believe that Ireland or somebody kind of roped him in, you know, cause he didn't leave her side much. Once he married her, he didn't leave her side much. Uh, so I feel like, you know, maybe she got cast and he was probably just over in England and hanging out, wearing pea coats, uh, turtlenecks, smoking cigarettes, wearing a, a toque, uh, you know, just hanging out. And she's like, well, you know, Charles, Charlie, he can do it. And he's like, oh, well, you got. Yeah. <laughs> that much is a pay. Yeah. Is there, <laughs> yeah. There's a gun. I'm in. That's it. <laughs> Check better not bounce turkey. You could jacking off over there. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, but my score's a little higher in Todd's. I enjoyed it. Uh, Mostly for the novelty of what it is, though, uh, than anything. And I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Well, nice. Solid. Okay. So my make or break, the meek, the break is 
the finale. That's what we're waiting for. Has to be. (laughs) I mean, all the rest is foreplay, right? So, um, in this case, it really is. I mean, it really is. It's all foreplay up there. Yeah, it is. And that turtleneck foreskin analogy is coming into focus now. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Um, I do, of course, Sammy knew it. My MBT is (laughs) the old perk, the perky, and the. And the old Chucky B. Uh, yeah. It's just it's fun to see two dairy, very different actors that I, I really adore um, for very different reasons on screen playing off each other. And I just I wish Perkins had have gotten more opportunity to stretch his legs with some directors that maybe would have harnessed some of that in a slightly different way. I mean, yeah. I don't know how much he could have avoided it, but I feel like in the right hands, I just feel like there was a lot going on. I remember reading his biography um, some years back and just how sad his childhood was. He has a father who was an actor who was a bit of a, bit of a failed actor, was a total fucking asshole. Yeah. And, um, you know, sad life. And I've, I've always gravitated towards his work when I've seen Pretty Poison's Fantastic. Did we ever do Pretty Poison on the show? I don't think so. Uh, I don't think so. No. That's a fun I'm one. I'm not going to remember. I we like should the, do that uh, at some point. Like Tuesday the, Weld? Was the, Tuesday Weld, yeah. I like the Jekyll and Hyde one he did. Was it Edge of Sanity? Oh, Edge of Sanity, man. yeah. I would love to do Edge of Sanity. I almost gave that a rewatch about a, two or three weeks ago, and I was like, I, I don't know. Something made me not, but yeah, that's a good yeah, one. Yeah, that's probably not one to watch with the kids. Oh, it's definitely not one to watch with the kids. <laughs> yeah, that's a sleazy one. That feels like yeah. a little bit Ken Russell-y sleaze. It's, yeah, is it? Was yeah. it who's it? Was it who, uh, I'll look and see, but I can't remember. I, I don't think it's Ken, but it is like sleazy. It feels very Ken Russell, yeah. Yeah, very sleazy. Um, my score for the film is a six point, um, of course, and we don't we don't script this, guys. It's a 6.25. Um, yeah, it just... You know, solid. Uh, again, I watched this uh, in the afternoon. It was perfectly fine. Um, you know, you can do worse. Directed by Georges Gerard Kekone. No, there you go. European. Just, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, he's a French director. So that makes sense. I'm looking through his filmography. Uh, yeah, well, it looks like he made a lot of softcore stuff. So there you go. That makes, again, makes total sense. <laughs> it makes yeah. total sense. That's right. All right, hang on. I'm almost done. My daughter's giving me a headbutt in my shoulder over here. Oh, man. <laughs> She's like, move she, along. She, you, Next yeah. up, you're getting a flying forearm. <laughs> it's Santana right. style. That's right. She'll mess around, man. <laughs> All right. So uh, next week, I believe we are sponsored by Diabolic DVD. Is that correct? Next week, yes. Uh, yes. Assuming I have them. I got to check the mailbox. Uh-huh. Yeah, you need to do that. But you want to yeah. you wanna run by what we're covering? You wanna, you're the one that programmed, so. Yeah, absolutely. So we are going to be doing a couple of really fun films. Uh, just a return of the Mac, Bruno Matei coming back on the show. I saw that Robo War had a Blu-ray. I feel like we needed to remedy that. We live in a glorious age if Robo War has a Blu-ray release for special features. So uh, we get Matei's return with Robo War, and one that is very underseen. And I got to tip my toque to um, Arrow. Because they've put this one out, and it's one that I had on VHS uh, that I love, and I just, not to say it's perfect, but I, I just always really dug it. There's some fun elements to it. It's a, an 80s slasher directed by, I believe, a Spaniard, uh, Edge of the Axe. Yeah. So, yeah. Going to be a fun kind of genre episode. That one has a very memorable box art. Yes, it does. Yeah. Very yeah. much oh, so. I got the hiccups all of a sudden. Oh, that's the worst. I'm recording an audio show. <laughs> You've been drinking out of that brown jug with the triple X on it, haven't you? Put it up on your uh, 
It's okay. your bicep to tip it back. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I'm trying to get rid of the hiccups while I'm talking here. That'll be the show next week. I think I got them gone. I think maybe. Hmm. That is the worst. No hiccups while you're recording audio. I show. hate hiccups. Oh, I hate them too. I get so frustrated. Oh, there it comes. Came back. There we go. It's it's okay. Landon, Landon, quit playing with her like that. Got one, one chasing the other one as a monster. And you got the hiccups. Hey, and I got the hiccups. Yeah, it's 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 what being a parent's all about. All I need now is a migraine and maybe uh, stub my toe, and it'll be my day will be complete. And a sore back. Oh yeah, <laughs> step on a Lego. There you go. Yes. Oh man. All right, that'll be the big show next week. I'd like to stick around, but I got the hiccups. I want to say some more wine to drink. Yeah, I'm like Foster Brooks here. All right, that's the show. I'll say adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com, and you can email the gentleman at midnightcinema at gmail.com. Yeah.